welcome to Critical Apocalypse episode 184. My name is Matt, here's Ant, you can't. And we're uh, going to talk about some movies and games and stuff like that. But first, let's talk about some other things that happened this week. And I drank too much alcohol. I'm not feeling great today. So you had one? I had one alcohols. No, yeah. I went... Yesterday was just... On the a... white di- lightning, yeah. Why is it so low? It's not low. It's closer. You're just bad at talking. Okay, sorry. So yeah, yesterday I went to Bristol. Went, went out drinking Why? with the lads. We just, you know, like I go away on trips with my my friends yeah. every so often. Yeah. yeah, went to Hungary. Went to uh, what yesterday? Newcastle yesterday. Well, we went to Bristol, Hungary, and Newcastle no, no, yesterday. No, 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 no. And and so you're going, you're getting unfocused here. This feels like that. This feels like that episode of Always Sunny where um, Mac tricks Dennis into doing more tequila shots, where he's like, "Wait, wait, how do I do this?" Okay, so I do. I do the lemon, I lick the salt, and then I do the shirt. It's like, no, no, Mac, Mac, I'll show you one more time. And it just gets completely blasted. That's what this feels like. Gaslighting, you son of a bitch. That's the word I was looking for. No, I went to Bristol. It's a really nice place. Um, I uh, I went out drinking. There's a lot of really nice bars in Bristol. It's a fun, happening place to go to. Um, I met some lovely people, but uh, I mixed vodka and whiskey, and that's a fucking stupid idea. Don't ever drink vodka and whiskey. Because when you get to like the fourth or fifth double, you sort of... Nice. He's only got three fingers, so it doesn't really work. He's got two thumbs. He's got two thumbs? Yeah. Nah, it still doesn't work then, does it? Put the pointing finger up. That's the that's the one. That's the middle finger. No, nah, that's your poking finger. Don't be stupid. Ah! Ah! No. Um, yeah, so I just mixed whiskey and vodka and I had a beer. I don't usually drink beer. You drink a whiskey drink. I drink a vodka drink. You drink a, vodka drink a drink. cider drink. I didn't have any cider. I wish I did. You drink nice. a lager drink. Anyway, so I feel like shit. Good. But on the plus side, I don't feel as shit as Dr. Michael Morbius, the living vampire from the new film, Dr. Michael Morbius. <laughs> he died and came back from the grave on Easter. Yeah. What, has it been re-released? No, he's been... He's, it's Easter, isn't he? He's, he's no. risen. He doesn't die in the film, though. Oh. Huh. So he's not that Morbius, is he? No. Also, he in one scene of the film he explains he's going to cut out the the organ in the bats, the piranha vampire bats. I didn't mention that in the in my review. He's going to cut it out and put it in people, and that's how he's going to do it. Yeah. But then he uses an elixir to inject himself. How's that? <laughs> how does that develop? And also, um, apparently, um, Tyrese was meant to have. A robot arm with like some cool gadgets and stuff. They just cut that out of the movie. <laughs> That's not in there. He's got it at the end. Like there's a scene where he's got like pumps and stuff going into his arm. No, there's there's no magic arm though. Oh. Never uses it. In fact, in one of the interviews, it's quite funny to see him go, um, go like this arm does some crazy shit. <laughs> oh, does it? Oh, cool. <laughs> All right, Tyrese. Um, he also got tricked. By a fake Martin Scorsese account this week. Um, someone put out a fake tweet or Instagram thing. And it said like, Morbius has reinvigorated my love and passion for superhero movies. <laughs> and finally, cinema has risen again. And Tyrese retweeted and says, thank you. Oh my God, my whole life. I never expected to get praise from one of my heroes, my idols. <laughs> and then he deleted it when he realised it was fake. <laughs> 
other people's misery. Perfect. Tyrese Gibson might not be that smart. Tyrese Gibson is in Too Fast, Too Furious, the worst Fast and Furious movie. Next to Full Fast, Full Furious. I don't fucking know the names anymore. And your review first this week. Why don't you talk about something? Fine. Are you? I told you, no crinkly bags, no crunchy food during the podcast. Just go there, just go. You don't catch me making noises during the podcast with things. You're right. No more. That's right. it. Fucking. I almost reached for another one. Fucking done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Your review, man. Right. I watched. Finished watching. Yeah. Carmen Rider Kabuto. No, Cougar. I'm getting confused. There's two K's. Carmen Rider Cougar. Cougar. So it were two U's. Okay. What's this one about? This is the first Carmen Rider from after they had that hiatus. Do you remember when Shin Carmen Rider happened? Yeah, of course. Legendary? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was during the hiatus years where they just did a couple of movies. Shin Carmen Rider is still the most interesting Carmen Rider. You've never watched them? I watched uh, the American version. Which one? The one with uh, that weird fucking puppet. Ferbus. Ferbus. <laughs> he was played by friggin' um, Vern Troyer. Really? Yeah, it was his first role. I thought Vern Troyer's first role was that film that he did where he was like an experiment. Austin Powers. No, another film. Anyway, Carmen Ryder Cougar. It was the reboot, big reboot in 2000. How's Ferbus doing? Ferbus, not in it. Because he's, he's an American invention. They can't just use him in China no, and Japan. So they would shit. love to. They would love to is make him the focus so of one of the Japanese shows, but they can't. Anyway. Troy is dead now, isn't he? Yeah, he died. Of Super what? dead. Being really tiny and all the complications that come with it. Like a tripod, though. <laughs> anyway. Apparently, yeah. Can't ride a Kugo. It's a reboot. It follows a guy... And he's like, there's there's been an ancient tomb uncovered, which, as you know, opening up any ancient tombs is a bad idea. They keep doing it in Egypt, though. People keep opening up it. There's one been opened this week. His first film was in Baby Day, Baby's Day Out. He was Baby Bink's stunt double. Yeah. That's... Yeah. That's, that's a thing. He's very small. <laughs> so he wasn't, he wasn't Ferbus. He was Ferbus. No, he wasn't. He he's was not, Ferbus. He's not, he's, he wasn't. 100% he was Ferbus. No, he's not in it. He was Ferbus. He was in Jack of All Trades at the Bruce Campbell show. Mm. He 100% he was Ferbus. He wasn't. He absolutely was. I'm going to go on a Ferbus hole. You have to look up stunt performers on Mass Rider. Anyway, Carmen Rider Cougar. You're interrupting everything again. I'm going to friggin' put a friggin' metal plate over him. He was Ferbus. Told you. Anyway. You should never doubt a furry. So anyway, <laughs> people are tuning in. Sorry, yeah, Kamen Rider, you were talking thing. about it. It came back from hiatus. Yeah, first show back. Show, yeah. First show back. They opened, some people opened up a tomb, Yep. and something came out of it and started killing people. You must not read from the book. And then all these people started, <laughs> all these people just started disappearing and becoming creatures. Not bad for a So they'd time. be like... Just sort of turned into a monster, killing people. The unidentified life forms, they call them. Could they get turned back? They called the Gronk. No, they they can turn into a human. They can disguise themselves as a human, but they're oh, but they're, can, not they're, human. they're bad. Yeah, they're playing some sort of game, killing people. But one yes. of them, there's a belt, and one guy gets it. Yeah, and he like gets given a vision yeah. of what he needs to do to activate it, but it turns into Cougar. And at first, the police think he's one of the monsters. Yes, yeah. so he gets labelled as unidentified life form two. I think it was. Um, 
and number four for a while because a while they think that the there's two separate ones because it's different colors and they realize it's the same person. Okay. Um, but basically, the show is he's just some guy. He wants everyone to be happy. He likes to go on adventures. He's got all these skills that he's learned over the years to make people happy. Yeah. He like finds out. Oh, someone would be really happy if they had something, and then I'll learn how to do that so I can never be better. He'd be cancelled nowadays. Over trying to he's just someone. doing the best he can to bring people smiles. Like you know, he's played by Harvey Weinstein. But he gets the belt and he uses it to defeat the monsters. Yeah. And he teams up with a cop to do it. And for a while, there's like a thing where the cop's sort of keeping his identity, the guy's identity a secret. And they're sort of doing it on the down low because the police aren't like, well, they don't know really know what's going on. As yeah. far as they're concerned, Cougar is an unidentified life form that's killing random people. Uh, but then they realise he's not and they, you know, team up and start working together and to defeat them and all this sort of stuff. Um, but the show's basically, like, as it progresses, there isn't, like, some massive series-wide arc. The closest thing to a series arc... Stop playing around with your Switch. I'm just trying to find out why the internet's off on it. Because the freaking terrible... The internet's on. Can't play around with the Switch in the middle of the podcast. Don't on, worry, no, no, I was just seeing why the internet was off on it. Oh, God. I'm sorry, yeah. Why'd you bring it in here? God's sake. Anyway. Where was I? <laughs> so he was number four, unidentified person. That's what they call it. Anyway, so the, yeah. the bad guys, they, they're called the Grongi is their proper name. Ferengi. The Grongi. And they speak their own language. So throughout the show, you don't understand what they're talking, what they're saying. You can switch on subtitles to have translated subs because it's like effectively like a Japanese take on Pig Latin, apparently. All right. So people do know what they say, but they're, they're talking like in a, in a version of Japanese that you can't understand. And it's intended to be watched without you understanding what they're saying. Because, um, I mean, even if you know, it only reveals little elements of plot and what's going on and what their intentions are a little bit earlier yeah. and stuff like that. They only ever speak Japanese when they're sort of milling around in amongst regular people. Yeah. So that no one, you know, has a suspicion about them or anything. Yeah. Um, but Google, week after week, he stops them. Usually you know, one monster every two weeks. It's one of those ones where they split every monster's thing over two episodes. But um, it's kind of really dark and sort of dismal in places, and your main character's constantly trying to make people happy and bring light to it. Um, He's trying to make sure that even though everything's kind of shitty, he's doing his best to make sure people are happy. You know the people that are monsters, are they regular people to begin with? Yeah, but it kind of... It stops sort of bringing up that they're missing persons or anything... Because oh, okay. they sort of, it becomes less important because um, it doesn't matter who they are or what they are. Now they're killing people and you don't know where all these people are. And these yeah. th- they sort of reveal themselves gradually. There's like 40 something of them in total over the course of the series. And you find out a bunch of them are killed off screen, yeah. which happens every now and again in the show. Stuff ha- you get told that's happened sort of in between episodes. Yeah. Because it's not important to the story because the story is all about our main character and his, you know, Misses. his adventures as he's. Going along. Does he have a girlfriend? They always have no, a girlfriend or a no, they female. Don't. They never have a girlfriend. You can't have romance in a tokusatsu show for little kids. Kids girls are yucky. Okay. Yeah. But no, he's just got he's just got buddies. Yeah. Um he's one of his friends is a researcher who like specialises in ancient stuff and ancient texts and she's translating hmm. all the stuff that was found in the tomb where they uncovered this monster. Um the closest thing to a proper series arc is like his gradual increase in power, which gets to the point where when he kills a monster, 
they explode like in a ridiculously huge explosion. Yeah. So they have to start coordinating with the police to get the monsters to places that are deserted and, you know, out to the beach or into the middle of a forest where there's no one around or stuff like that. So he can detonate the monster without, you know, destroying half a city. Or well, like in uh, Batman vs Superman where they're like, good thing that island is completely without any people on it. Yeah, they just yeah. dub that line in overwards so, yeah. you know, they're not destroying <laughs> a whole working factory area. But um, no, it's, it's, it's kind of cool it does that. It's got a really nice sort of slower pace tone to it. It's not filled with drama. Like the main character never, like once over the course of the show does he get angry. There's never any moments where he's like sort of having some big dramatic reveal and he's like rec- uncovering a mystery or anything like that. It's not that sort of show. It's what it's the difference to that. There's like the one episode where he goes angry is where this monster's killed some kids in the process. And when it gets to the fight at the end, instead of it being some flashy showdown like you're used to or where he's figured out a technique to beat the monster, he just straight up walks up to the thing and just beats the shit out of him. It's just punching him in the face one after the other. No flashy kicks, no special moves. He beats the shit out of him down to the beach, gets him on the floor and just pounds the shit out of his face and then blows him up. And it's like the one time he gets angry. Um, but it's like the, the show's full of stuff like... The the monsters, the villains, the Grongi are like... They're taking part in a game where they're trying to kill as many people as possible to achieve some sort of ascension in status because they're trying to find the best one and all this sort of thing. Um, but they're like... They're killing hundreds of people and it's constantly alluded to that they've like been popping up in different parts of Japan killing hundreds of people like some of them are just like walking through the street and chopping someone's head off within a second without them having a chance to react or one of them's flying around above the city and like firing metal darts through people's heads and killing them they've each got their own little special way of killing people but um yeah it's just like this this whole idea where everyone in the town is scared because if they go outside when they go outside they don't know if they're going to survive or not but they have to get on with their lives they've all got jobs and stuff to do um but it also remind you that regular people every now and again there'll be a regular person who causes some trouble and it reminds you that even though these monsters are doing all this shit at the end of the day even if they beat all these monsters there's still going to be bad people out there they're going to need to be dealt with by yeah, people you can't just kill bad people you can't you blow can, them up as easily yeah. Yeah. you kill monsters because obviously there's a defined line between human and monster like that is all they are but yeah mm. how interesting it's a really good show and it's got an interesting way to end and not to spoil it or anything, but it's a very unflashy finale, and the last episode is like the main character's barely in it, um, and it's like it's all people reflecting on what's happened over the last time and where they think he's gone off to, and all this sort of stuff. Oh, that's cool. Um, and the guy who plays him <coughs> never reappeared in Carmen Rider again. This is the guy that you said was really famous. No, no, loads of them. Load. It happens every now and again. Oh, okay. But he was the first one. He never did anything afterwards. Oh. Like every now and again, they'll turn up to do voiceover work, or they'll like you know make a cameo in a movie or something. Yeah. But I think he is. I'm pretty sure he's the only one who's never even done voiceover. That makes it for another special thing. as well, though. Yeah, it? but even there's like a. 50th episode, which is basically a little DVD extra thing. You told just me Just a this. bunch of... No, I didn't, didn't tell you anything. When did I tell you is anything? Is this not the movie thing? No. Oh. No, it's a 50th episode. It's just like a 10-minute thing where it looks like something they've shot on the set while goofing around, yeah. and it's just them doing some meta thing about the director, different director's styles over the course of the series, and they're like goofing off and stuff, and then they mention, oh, no, there's one other over there. Oh, we still got to come back for the movie, and then they never did a movie. They just didn't. But, um... Yeah, just really interesting series from, like, yeah, 2000, 2001. It was the last show that 
um, Shota Ishinomori would have worked on of Carmen Rider because he definitely was involved in in the early stages. Yeah, and you can it's definitely aiming for a more serious tone like his earlier Carmen Rider shows had. Yeah, um, but like yeah, a few years after, like the early Carmen Riders when they came back in the two thousands was like relatively serious for quite a few years, mm. but then they started getting a little bit flashy. And then they started getting, you know, working in some comedic relief and stuff until you get to where we are nowadays, where the show's mostly light yeah. action comedy stuff. Like, there's always some comedic characters in them now. They haven't done a straight up serious one for ages. Um, yeah, knocking stuff over. But, um, nah, it's an excellent series and a really good reboot. Like, it feels like when you watch it, it's, you can tell it's a rebooted take on an old show. It's got that feel to it. There's even like a monster he fights halfway through the series who causes problems for him a bunch of times, keeps cropping up. Yeah. Because loads of the monsters, like, they'll turn up in like episode three and they'll be around for like 16, 30 episodes or something mm. before they get their episode. And they'll just, those characters are like come cropping up every now and again. But one of them, he's, um, turns into a grasshopper looking monster. He's got a red scarf on and drives a motorbike. <laughs> and it's like straight up. Yeah. This is Cougar versus Shin. like an original Carmen Rider. Yeah. Um, there's another monster in who's great. This is a first one of the first monsters he fights is Priest, who got turned into one of the Grongi. Yeah. Um and he basically becomes he turns into a bat creature and he becomes everyone's whipping boy in the villains group. They're constantly like belittling him and knocking him to one side and is taking the piss out of him. People? He doesn't after the first episode for a while. He's like doing errands for him and stuff like that. Cause he's they all have to wait their turn. They got they do the game when they're when they're allowed to, and they get given a little bit of a power up to start the game and mm. off they go. But um he goes off base and goes off and gets a little bit of power from the zero. The unidentified life form zero is the most powerful of them all. He gets a little bit of his energy. Mm. Gives himself some boost in power, kicks the shit out of Kugo, and there's a whole sequence where it's like basically they, they can't match up to each other. Even when Kugo gets himself a new power, they're like evenly matched. Yeah. And then they he sort of disappears off around the corner in the woods, you hear a bunch of screaming, they find him hanging dead from a tree because Zero has turned up oh. and you don't see him. And it's like really good way of building this guy up for the whole series, making you almost root for him to turn on the villains at some mm. point, even though he's a little shit. Um, even though he's a proper skeevy, yeah. like you wouldn't trust him and anything. But the fact he, you know, he starts fighting his own enemies makes you think, oh, maybe they're going to have him become a teammate for Cougar. Yeah. And, but then you see he's like as powerful as Cougar and he gets wiped out in an instant. Jesus. And it's like, it's quite a cool way of building up. That's, that's good wrestling build up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's other bits like towards the end of the series when you know the Zero's about to appear and you've only ever seen him blurred off in the distance. Mm. Um, and there's like an episode missing, it's almost like, where you where Cougar's had a battle with him. There's been something really bad has happened. Mm. Um, you get little flashes of like a highway and people getting burnt to death in cars and stuff like that and everyone's been Jesus. killed and all this. And it's Cougar's and yeah, that's juxtaposed with Friggin' um, thing is, what's his first name? I can't remember his character's name. Aiji, I think it is. Yeah. Um, Sukasa, Aiji Sukasa, I think. He's like, throughout the episode, he's like, don't worry, next time I'm definitely going to beat him. It'll be great. No worries. I'm going to power up. And then you see sort of get little flashes of what happened. Mm. And you're like, he's just trying to give everyone hope, even though he's, you can tell he's like injured and injured. knows he's probably not going <laughs> to survive it. Not going to do it. But um, absolutely superb series. Yeah. Like, frigging, frigging good stuff. Like, ropey special effects here and there because it's from 2000. Yeah. But um, it doesn't all, but it's not also like constantly having big, like, you know, like in Car Rider nowadays when they swing a weapon, there's a big old flashy effect and stuff and, you know, on screen graphic effects to show impacts and things. It's none of that. It's all 
fisty cuffs. The only real main special effect is anything that's like his armour appearing, which is like a CGI model that looks like it come from a PS2 cutscene. <laughs> um, stuff like that, but no, shows shows fantastic. Like, that's cool. Like proper top tier Carmen Rider. What's the next one after this? The one that followed was a Gito, which was a sort of sequel series, but it's not. Yeah. Because they didn't get the same cast back, they just did a similar story. Oh, okay. But um, I haven't watched that one. I'll watch okay. it one day, maybe. Cool, cool. Um, that sounds good, though. It's interesting. I mean, the idea, like, when you say, sometimes when we're talking about these things and, and you're talking about, like, a, like, Tokusatsu shows and things like that. I always imagine things a lot gorier than I assume they actually are. Like well, this one's actually quite violent. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's quite a few. It doesn't show you anything like someone's head flying off, but you're, no. there's one bit where you see someone drop to the floor mm. and then you see something go poof and fud in the opposite direction. Jesus. Which is there. Yeah. Or um, something's happened in an alleyway and you see just like a pool of blood getting washed away in the rain and things. It's like. It's pretty cool. It's a yeah. good way of using violence but not making it the central. Yeah, central yeah. thing to everything. It's definitely a lot more violent because nowadays if they're going to do blood, they save it for something a Big. bit special. Yeah, like a movie or something. Like, like a Noel, like a character's having a really major dramatic moment, and then they'll bring out the blood. But in this one, it's like the monsters are killing people in really violent ways. So every now and again, you kind of have to show. Yeah, people have been fucked up. But some of them, like later on, one of them's like killed something like a thousand people, Jesus. and it's like. And it's a wonder anyone leaves the house. There's um some good light high stuff in it though. Yeah. Little running gags. It's like the he works at a cafe yeah. during the day, and the shop owner and the girl who works there have no idea he's Cougar the whole way through, <laughs> even though he's been telling them. They keep going on about how great Number Four is, yeah. which is what they call what general public's calling Cougar. And he's doing stuff like, yeah, check out the symbol I put on my T-shirt, and it's like <laughs> the Cougar logo. And he's like, yeah, it's Cougar, and the shopkeeper's like mishearing it because he keeps thinking it's referring to something else. Yeah. And he keeps mentioning it, and they're out the front cleaning the bike, the cougar bike. And they're just like, where did you get this bike from? It's like, oh, I got it from the police. They let me have it. And it's like, that's weird. It's <laughs> like, they don't realise it's the bike cougar rides around. And in the end, he sort of mentions, he just sort of says it in a way they can't really ignore. And they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> but it's a running gag for the whole series that I just yeah. kind of enjoyed. It's nice to have that sort of lightheartedness. They keep going, where's he wandering off to? we got frigging work to do. And it's yeah. like, and they go, he's wish he was reliable, like that cougar fellow. <laughs> Real Hannah Montana vibes going yeah. on there. Yeah, that's the kid aspect though, isn't it? The comedy. Got it's good. Be... It's good fun time though. Cool. Definitely wouldn't say straight up for kids. Like, I reckon if they released it over here on DVD, it'd be a fifteen. Yeah. Right. But then again, Japanese kids shows in tend to in the violent. morning. Yeah, tend to be a bit more violent. Do whatever they want them. Yeah. Cool. Um. All right. Well, I and watched a movie. Oh no. Called X. It's Ty West's new horror film. Is it going to give it to you? No. Um, It's about a group of people that are renting a small cabin in the 70s to make a porn film with aspirations to make something akin to a deep throat. Mm. But in actuality, they are just making a horny film about a farmer's daughter. The joke is that it's called The Farmer's Daughter, but they have three different porn actresses all playing playing the farmer's daughters. So it's the father's daughter, but it's a it's the title's wrong because it's daughters. There's three of them. They can't um, afford the S. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting little like little horror movie. It's got Britney Snow in it. Uh, Scott Speedman turns up in it. Those are the only two actors I actually know from anything. The others are kind of unknown. Uh, but Ty West, he's the guy who directed loads of shit. Like um, he did um, the House of the Devil and stuff like that. Turns up in a lot of the films made by that. 
that crew that made like the guest and and um, uh, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so he's not the guy who did the um, Avengers Triple X Batman Triple X movie. No, 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 no. Um, it's not one of those. No. It, is, it is a genuine horror movie. It's not just. It's not a porn film. Like the the setting of them making a porn film is just sort of to introduce some um, some interesting character traits. Like a lot of the characters, as you can imagine, like a lot of the characters are very um, very open about what they do. They have like a lot of interesting conversations about love in the industry and and how they see each other and how they think it's it's just acting. Like they're well, just probably acting. a riff on the way. American horror movies would convolute reasons for teenagers to have sex, have sex and, and stuff, whereas this one's just gone. They're just We're making, making a porn, porn. yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and and you get vibes that like, oh, maybe there's something supernatural. Maybe there's something going on. Like there are um, a few. The set, the area itself that they've chosen to do it is an old farm, um, and they have like he's like, oh, you got a swimming hole over there. The main house is up there. Don't go to my main house. That's where I live with my wife. Just stay away from that. You guys have this cabin. You have the lay of the land around this cabin. I would go near the house where he says not to go near because that so sounds like a red flag. So they immediately do that. One, one person yeah. immediately does that. Um, but that's sort of hidden away in other things that you see. So like one of the people goes swimming in the swimming hole and you see this great shot where it's just for about three minutes you're just watching them swim from this part of the screen all the way over to where there's like a like a dock. And as they're swimming towards the dock, you notice they get about halfway and something's swimming behind them. But because it's an aerial shot and like you're fairly high up in the sky, it looks like a snake. Could be something bigger. Could be, you know. And that's sort of, it's really nice because they, they put that in there. She gets out of the water. There's no issue whatsoever. There's no injury or anything like that. But later on, that comes back and it is fucking spectacular when it comes back. Um, and it's just, it's stuff like that is, is really nice. And it is just such a low key horror movie. I think there's only one CGI shot in the whole fucking thing, which is nice. The rest of it is just actors and, and physical There'll props. There'll be more. Films don't get made about oh, yeah, CGI there's probably like, now. Yeah, there's probably like minor changes to Constantly like replacing and scenery. Yeah. And yeah. Fucking, do you remember Dexter? Yeah. That show was filled with CGI. I know. No one noticed it. It was like entire background replacements yeah. and stuff. Like, but, um, I think that's but, why they shot in the woods for the new one. They didn't have to fake Miami anymore. <laughs> one, of the, one of the more interesting conversations that's had is that there is a girl that's there to be the boom mic operator. She's dating someone who's there. And she's watching it and she's sort of like titillated by the idea of being involved in the shoot and being the third daughter of the of the film. And she she's like, yeah, I want to do it. I want to try it. Because if I try it and I don't like it, I'll never do it again. But if I try it and I like it, this could be something I can get involved in. It's not that she sees it as romantic. She sees it as a job and an opportunity. So she does a scene and then her boyfriend, the camera operator, or at least someone who has a big crush on her, he's the first person to die. And he is basically like, oh, I can't believe she slept with him. I can't believe she's in the movie. I can't. You're shooting the fucking movie. Regardless of whether or not you think you're a part of this, you are as much complicit in every single sex in your part of. Mm. But he just suddenly draws the line at someone else. Like, it's this weird power dynamic thing. And as soon as he exerts power or tries to exert power over her, Scott Speedman rightly says, if you tell her not to do this, and then she she's like fuck you and goes on this rebellion streak she's going to do it 10 times worse if you try and push this on her but if she does it and she does decide she doesn't want to do it she's going to never do it again you're going to be fine you're going to be in the clear so why are you so angry about this and then you've got video of your girlfriend getting drilled by some guy some quite quite nice looking black dude yeah I mean Brittany Snow's very attractive she gets her boobies out which one's she she's the one from Pitch Perfect she's in Pitch Perfect with Anna Kendrick and oh what's she doing 
trashy horror movies for. It's actually a really, she's got pitch like, perfect money. So here's the thing. So so um yeah, like I said, it alludes to a supernatural thing, but it's so much simpler than that. It's just a horror movie, and in a very interesting turn, the the, the main character, the girl who decides she's going to try porn, is called is played by Mia Goff, who she's done a couple of little things, but nothing big. But she also she plays knows Mia Goff. She's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but she she's also, one of them ones that people keep going on about on the internet. Yeah, she also she, plays something. She also plays this old woman character in like full makeup and looks nothing like her throughout the film. Tilda Swinton in it, up basically, yeah, getting yeah. two paychecks. Um, well, Tilda Swinton got free in um, friggin' Snowpiercer. No, <laughs> no. What was the film? Um, the remake. Suspiria. Yeah, yeah, which is fucking great. Um, but. There's so one of the things that I found out is so after this was released, they oh yeah, Mia Goff was in Suspiria. There you go. <laughs> so after this was released, Ty West announced that they would shot an entire prequel whilst they were there with with part of the same cast hmm. and then a completely different set of victims. And um, and I'm really excited to see it because it's like a it, it's a prequel set years and years and years earlier. But Mia Goff is going to be playing that old woman character again. I, I'm really looking forward to is seeing. Is that the house? Pardon? Is that the house? The house? The house. What, what do you mean the house? Well, it's at the same time as as X. There's another thing with Mia Goff in it. No, this one's called like Petunia or something, or yeah. Petula. Um, I can't remember her name. But yeah, really, really interesting, really fun. Um, I will say that if you if you don't like... I know that some... This is a weird thing to say in anything, I think, but I know that some people don't like films where there's a lot of sex, there's a lot of like... There's a lot of uh, freaks. <laughs> I like that. I know that people sometimes they struggle with that sort of subject matter in films. So this definitely won't be for them. But anyone else who just likes a good horror movie, you know, it's pretty fucking fun. It's not. It's not perfect. I think that the first forty minutes do drag. Well, I say thirty, maybe maybe thirty forty minutes. They drag a lot. I need to know exactly how many minutes. <laughs> first thirty forty minutes drag a lot, but then it does ramp up, and there are some really shocking kills. There are some pretty pretty decent scenes in there um but yeah it reminded me a lot of the um remind me a lot of the like sort of characterization the people that are all there it reminds me a lot of the cast of that um evil dead remake hmm. yeah a lot of the same sort of character types in there and it's, it's interesting to see i like the evil dead remake yeah so do i um but yeah i'll give this a matthew modine i mean it's not gonna be for everyone but i think a lot of people get some joy out of this especially some of the kills like i said that that lake the build-up on that's fantastic. When it does actually play out, it is... It but is, does the killer ever say, X going to give it to you? No. Oh. But the marketing for this, if you were to try it, trailer is really good for this. It's really interesting. But yeah, your review... I'd- I would have said X going to give it to you. And then they'd say, what? DMX is dead now. Show some fucking respect. DMX? He's dead. What's DMX got to do with anything? He sung X can't give it to you. Really, did he? Yeah. Ah. And he's got X in his... Yeah. Yeah, wow, what coincidence. Yeah. And he's in his R-I-X. Yeah. Rest in X. Yeah. Yeah. X gonna give it to you. Gonna give it to you. X gonna give it to you. Gonna give it to you. First we're gonna rock. Then we're gonna roll. Then we're gonna rock. Go, baby, go. Anyway, you review it. Okay. Um... So uh, that barely came out of the mic, all your nonsense there. Cool. You're just cool. bad at talking, cool. aren't you? You're review it. Star Trek Deep Space Nine Series 4. How's that going? How's Cisco? Cisco's doing great. He's got his go. You know, he's a captain. Good Hot for him. stuff. Worf's in the show. Worf, wait. He's from, from Next Generation. He's joined the show now. Really? Yeah, he's joined the cast. Why? 
because they wanted to do well. Michael Dorn wanted to be paid more. Yeah. Plus, the show, the series four, the the overarching story that goes on through series four is there's a war between the Klingons and the Cardassians going on. So getting a Klingon on board Deep Space Nine, you know, not a bad idea. Might be helpful to have someone who's got some insight to help him. You know, Prindrish drinking, ex wharf guy, Star Trek Klingon guy, that words. Anyway, he's on board and he goes to live on the Defiant because he doesn't like living on the space station too noisy. Um, and plus people keep coming to his his um, room. He doesn't like that. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's good to see Worf on there. He fits in. He fits in all right once they remember to start writing episodes involving him. Because um, apparently it was a last minute decision to bring him in in the first episode. It was like the, the in the first opener way, the Warriors, where the Klingons launched their attack on the Cardassians to try and take back space because they're expecting the Dominion to invade and they want as much territory as they can have. Um, plus they believe the Dominion's been infiltrated by... Um, the Kardashians have been infiltrated by the Dominion. So they think what they're doing is, you know, wiping out the Dominion threat within the Cardassians. Yeah. Um, they think they're waging a, ho- a good war because that's what the Klingons love. Um, but yeah, they bring Worf in at the last minute apparently so they didn't have any episodes written for him until like... 10 episodes into the series before he gets an episode that focuses on him and gives him something to do. What has he been up to in between this and... It was in Star Trek First Contact. Oh, yeah. That's about it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the character. What's the character supposed to be? He's in Star Trek First Contact. But, like, I mean, like, so is he... Is he on the Starfleet side or is he... On... Yeah, he's on Starfleet, yeah. Oh, okay. But so he's in still... Star Trek Generations. They crashed and then Star Trek First Contact takes place at some point around Series 4, Series 5, around that point. But, um... Yeah, and they sort of start hinting at his relationship with Dax because they have a little bit of a romance gradually. Ooh, I don't blame him because was Terry Farrell. Right? She's very attractive. Yeah. Do you remember her in, in Becca? She left Star Trek to be in Becca. <laughs> Do you remember Becca, the Ted Danson <coughs> comedy series? One sec, we're just going to play a quick snippet of that fantastic no. theme tune. No, but anyway, um, yeah, it's a really good series, this. Lots of really fun episodes that's a TikTok ad. Yeah, that's a TikTok ad. But um, lot, 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 a bit more sort of series arc stuff than the previous few series, which usually only had like three or four episodes. This one's got a lot more of that going on. Yeah. Um, you know, just good stuff. They have the brilliant episode where um, really violent episode. I remember they cut to hell when it was shown on BBC because and he got a fifteen certificate on video because um, basically they team up with some Jem'Hadar to take out a rogue base of Jem'Hadars who have got a. Um, I can't remember what they call it. There's like a gate thing that was in the original series um, or in Enterprise as well that opens and it lets them transport to any place in the galaxy. Obviously, it would be a massive strategic advantage to some Jem'Hadar who are doing bad stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, to be able to just pop up on any planet whenever they want. You know, no, no, you wouldn't know one to see them coming. So you pop them, they're there. Um, so they have a whole episode where they go and attack the shit out of them with knives because, like, the phasers won't work or something. <laughs> Stab them. Something, yeah, just loads of people getting stabbed and sliced and stuff. And he got, like, cut to ribbons when it was on UK TV. Are you ready for this? What? They will get content ID. It's only 22 seconds long. Yeah, but there's still content ID for it. So it's no use playing it. I'll get content. Plus, it's not even coming out on the mic thing. So I get content ID. All right, Doug. But yeah, that episode is nice and violent, and it's got Jeffrey Coombs in it. Yes, I remember. I walked in whilst you were watching it, and he's, yeah. like, he's like, hello, I'm Jeffrey Coombs. Well, he, he's in the next episode as well, playing Brunt, the Ferengi, because he plays like 
multiple characters in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, some of which are weighing, but he's a main character. One of the one of the sort of secondary main characters in Enterprise. He's like practically in every series. Is he a Doctor Trek. Enterprise? No, he was one. He's the Andorian in Enterprise. That, um, he played a Doctor in some sci-fi show, didn't he? Possibly. He's done a lot of stuff. Jeffrey Coombs has a lot of lot of acting jobs. Very very sexy man. Such as Faust. Love of the Damned. Was he Faust? No, he was someone else. No, no, he was the crazy guy in it. Yeah, he was Stuart Gordon, isn't it? So why are you playing on Cookie Clicker now? Sorry, I was just quickly... Put it down for one second. Yeah, um, Jeffrey Coombs, he was in uh, The Frighteners. Really good film. People don't talk about it enough. Frighteners is great. I always talk about Uh, it. I talk about it all the time. Has Jake busy getting busy? Boosie. Boosie getting busy. Mm. Uh, It's Deep Space Nine Series 4 is really great. Ends on a nice status quo shifting element. Odo gets infected with some sort of disease. Isn't that like cleared up in the first episode of the next series though? So well, the next the next part of it, but yeah. But um, yeah, it was like the the Dominion infected him with a virus, so he'd be forced to go back to the Great Link, which is yeah. what they live in, so he could be judged for killing a um a changeling earlier in the series, because that was the the first person. No changeling has ever harmed another changeling. Is like the big rule for them, and he killed one to protect the crew. And that's like, you know, bad. Was it an evil one? Yeah, they're all evil. All the changelings are kind of even Odo. Well, they're all Odo's not because he's like been separated from them. They're all, all the ones in the link. They're sort of basically a big hive mind re- regime that's taken over the galaxy in their quadrant. No, oh, right. But um, he's like, well, no, I must be judged for this because he's a law enforcement officer. He's not going to try and escape it. He's going to take his judgment. They probably could have just asked him, and he probably would have been, yeah, sure. Does um, he sleep in a bowl of water? You can sleep in however he wants, but um, yeah, it goes into he has a, a little, jar. Yeah, a jar, thing. A jar yeah. thing. That's just to make sure he doesn't ooze all over the place. Wasn't there an episode where he was put in prison and he went into a bowl? There's one where he gets captured, where he's been um, going with Garak to Cardassio. It's in one of the early episodes. Yeah. Yeah, he gets like stopped from being able to change shape until when he starts breaking up. But. Um, no, this this is good stuff. Good good stuff. And yeah, yeah Godo's been turned into a human by the changeling, so he can't. He's lost the thing that makes him who he is. Wait, they can, human turn, they can turn people into humans. Well, I guess in what they've done is they've used their because they're much the better at the whole change. Yeah, they yeah. well they've given him a heart and everything. They've oh yeah, but they're they're much better at shape shifting so than he is. Face. No, they leave him with the face because you know to remind him. Where he's from. Ah, you ain't gonna have sex ever, mate, you mm. fucking ugly. Well, he's, he pulls a, he's got a girl who's interested in him Does straight he? away. Yeah, there's a sh- the shopkeeper oh. lady in this in well, that, in that episode who's flirting with him at the start and then she flirts with him at the end yeah. to say that she doesn't care that he's not who the same person. But... <laughs> I could turn into a giant snake mm. and show you pleasures beyond your mind. Mm. And now I've got fucking fingers yeah. forever. Yeah. I'm going to go hang myself. He's going to have body hair. The only thing I can do now is kill myself. I think you'd actually be able to do that now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to experience the final. But, final um, yeah, the final reveal is when Garrett, we see the Klingon Emperor Gowron on the TV screen ranting about how they're, they've got 10 days for Starfleet to get out of this planet's area before they're going to invade it. And Odo's like, when I was in the link, they were trying to keep things from me, keep secrets from me, but one name kept popping up. It was his. Galron's a changeling. <gasps> that's the big cliffhanger at the end of the series. If they stab yeah. they'll turn into water. But it's quite good. Deep Space Nine doesn't have like two parter finales. They'll have a they'll have a self contained episode at the end of the series and a self contained episode at the start of the next series. But they don't do the whole 
two-parter plot twist to make you wait for the rest of the two-parter. Like, everything in that finale is wrapped up. It just, on the last scene, they give you that little, mm. oh, shit, my thing. And then the next series, I'll be wrapped up in no time. So, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> cool. But it's good. I like Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine still great. Three more seasons to go. Whoa! Three more seasons in a movie. They don't have any movies for Deep Space Nine, do they? No. It's the only series that doesn't have a word. Voyager doesn't. Enterprise doesn't. No, they don't. No, only Next Generation got movies. Yeah. Oh, and the original series. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, I watched a documentary called Jimmy Savile. Why? Big old fucking monster. Peter. It's a terrible documentary. It's really bad. Yeah, I heard it's just like a shitload of interviews that just... So bumped together. No, no, no. So, so it's you, you like everyone in the UK know. I think everybody in the world knows that Jimmy Savile was. A no, it's a very UK nonsense. thing. Is it really? Yeah, no one outside UK so knows Jimmy who Jimmy Savile, Savile is. So Jimmy Savile was a child molester who people people for a long time. Um, there were rumours that he was a child molester, and there was like a lot of shit that was hidden, and it's particularly like the BBC and <coughs> even the Tory government took moves. To protect um, Jimmy Savile as an entity, because he did so much charity shit. He was a sort of person who would worm his way into as yeah. many different people's lives as he's, possible. Because he famously got Lenny Hen, um, Frank Bruno to take that photo of Peter Sutcliffe, not letting him know who Peter Sutcliffe, knowing Peter Sutcliffe was a terrible person who's bound to end up in jail. Yeah. So if he gets Frank Bruno with a photo with him, he's got some sort of like dirt oh. on Frank Bruno for later. They don't, they don't it's the sort it. of thing he'd do. Like He probably had some sort of yeah. dirt on most people. So, right. so this documentary, I was expecting it to be really fucking grim and, and gritty and like really get into what, you know, the horrible shit that he was up to. But it was like the toys that made us. But for <laughs> an episode, for like for most of its runtime, I'm going to say 80% of its runtime, it is fairly positive about Jimmy Savile, yeah. which is fucked. The only time, like, the last 20% is dedicated to one particular woman who, her experience was that Jimmy Savile, he, so Jimmy Savile just roamed around the country. He had, like, flats and stuff, but for the most part, he roamed around the country. Mm. It was only when he got older that he returned and he had a flat in his hometown where he previously lived. But before that, he roamed around and he used to go to this church and this girl's parents used to, like, let her sit with Jimmy Savile. And she specifically said, I don't want to do this. She would pretend to be sick so she didn't have to go to church. But when she did go to church, the parents were like, Jimmy wants to sit with you. Go sit with Jimmy. And he was fiddling with her asshole, and, and, like, she was very young. And before she had even got a period, she was trying to jam shit into her ass and into her orifices down there to prevent him touching her, to prevent him fiddling around with her. And her parents, like, she was sitting there and she, she says in the in the program, in one of the fucking most horrible things I've ever heard a human say, she said, I was sitting there and my parents were right there and I was just screaming at them with my eyes to just fucking save me, to do anything. And they just sat there. They didn't see it. How mean? could Jimmy they Savile's not see just it? a nice, harmless kids television presenter. He wasn't, he was a DJ. He started as a DJ. And then he had a career do, as in wrestling as well. Yeah, he was a wrestler yeah. as well. Yeah, he's, yeah. you know, like. No, as a kid, we wrote a letter to Jimmy Savile. Me and my um, mates. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to. We wanted Jim, Jim to fix it for us to meet uh. the Ghostbusters. It's a good job we chose something really lofty, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Most people is. just wanted to go on a roller coaster while eating a burger or something. Yeah. Or get their arsehole fingered by an ex DJ. <laughs> but. Those are the letters yeah. he got a lot of, I guess. So, 
so anyway, so yeah, about 80% of it, they have interviews with people and people are like, oh yeah, look, and there's only one fucking person who in the whole thing knew he was a creep as soon, and it's Ian Hislop hmm. on, on Have I Got News For You. Yeah. And it's so fucking funny because they've got Jimmy Savile there saying these horrible things and Ian Hislop is just making these faces like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, why is he here? This is disgusting. Like, he's, like, doing this shit and, like... And you can see he's physically uncomfortable to be next to Jimmy Savile. No, there and, was, um... Freaking, um, Johnny What's-His-Face from Sex Pistols. Johnny Ron. Yeah, he got banned from BBC television for years for saying in an interview that Jimmy Savile was... A nonce. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what he's up to. It's quite funny. Young girls and it's, stuff. It's quite funny in the documentary, though, because Ian Hislop, they've got clips from that episode where Ian Hislop's sitting next to Jimmy Savile and he's having to interact with Jimmy Savile and he's really not enjoying himself. Mm. He hates it. I think I remember that episode. And then and then they've got clips from another episode where he's referring to it and he's sitting next to Graham Linner. <laughs> and I'm like, that documentary will be interesting. Yeah, we're just, well, they're just getting the footage in. at the same time. <laughs> they just reverse it. It's like Godfrey Ho when he uh, makes his films. Just film loads of stuff and you've yeah, got footage from all You'll need it yeah, eventually. Yeah, I reckon Ian Hislop. There'll be an episode. But there was a Louis Farouk interview which started setting off a lot of yeah. people. So the Louis Farouk interview was like, and there was another one afterwards as well. There mm. was the initial one, yeah, and then he did the another one, one a follow up. But the initial one, like Louis Farouk said that it's it's weird. Like he doesn't seem like he he seems like everything is an act. Like mm. and it, some of the stuff that happened in like like I said, the last twenty minutes is when they get into the fucking horrible shit that he did. And, like, they describe shit like... He used to be a porter at a hospital. So he used to go and... He used to go and, and volunteer at a hospital and be a porter and, like, take people to surgery mm. and stuff like that. And one girl says that they had an unconscious girl, young girl, completely unconscious, in a coma, and she had to go for tests. And she was sharing a ward with this girl. And there was a curtain, but the curtain wasn't pulled all the way. And she could see him fiddling with this unconscious girl in a coma... And she tried to tell someone at the hospital and they said he was just probably preparing her for surgery. And she's like, that's, but I don't want that to happen to me if I have to have surgery. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But then there are people that, there are people in situations like he, he was a massive um, advocate for the spinal ward. And all these people that got like massive amounts of help and they are already alive because he did all that charity work. And they're saying, I didn't see this, but I want to disassociate with this person entirely. Hmm. But like you know, it's just so fucking weird. That's the British way, though, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, he did, he did one good thing. One of the things that one of the things that I really I've never seen, and I and I don't know how I've missed this, but when you watch videos of him doing like running and stuff like that, he looks so much like a young Boris Johnson. It's fucking weird. It's I'm not even joking. It's, um, yeah, they're related. Probably, <laughs> but yeah. Boris Johnson's dad's a wrong one, isn't he? He punched his wife in the face, broke her nose a bunch, and like he he had fits of anger. Apparently, they're and all fucking all the conservatives are wrong. Yeah, they're all fucking wrong. Who's the uh, who's the one who killed his dog? Um, beat it to death with a Michael stick Heseltine. Yeah, who his dog bit him, so he held his mouth shut until the dog suffocated to death. Fucking cunt. And he puts it in his autobiography, going on about how oh no, once that once they've done that and they've tasted blood, that's it, they're gone. What is this? Watership fucking down. Yeah. It's not how it works. Plague dogs. That was the one, sorry. But anyway, yeah. The, um, what is this? Cujo? <laughs> what is this? Cujo? Um, it's fucking just... Ben... What's that one where the kid turns into the dog? Benji? Benji. Possibly. Or Fluke, where Matthew Modine becomes a dog. 
Sweet. <laughs> sure, the dog. So yeah, so it's it's really bad. It's the easiest subject that you have a villain. You don't need to be impartial. You don't need to show both sides. You don't need to defend the. Is it Tories made for American audiences to make them maybe who don't know about because they don't know about Gary Glitter. You're fucking hell. Hence how? the friggin' how? Joker movie using yeah. a Gary Glitter song and then, then having like, to insist he's not getting any money from they it. They do it in the football games as well all the time. Yeah. That's, that's why. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those documentaries where it'd be so easy to make this hard-hitting, horrible, but clear and concise idea of what a fucking monster this, this man was. And also, the other thing, you could make it so that the money you get from selling something like this, you could pay victims, you could give them some sort of reparations, you could help people, you could offer mental health services, you could get their story out there. And instead, they have one woman mm. that they have proper interviews with, who was a victim, who's that, that girl who was at the church, She's the one they took. That's how you maintain the idea that there's just a couple of people who are just after but some money. But it wasn't. It was hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds of people. And he admits it. There were interviews where he's like, I've got caught on Tuesday. Like, you know. But um, but I was, talking to my, I was talking to my friend when we went away because uh, we were talking about like catching up on what we'd all been up to and what we watched. Because you're having a laugh watching the Jimmy Savile documentary yeah, while you're drinking. <laughs> um, but... Uh, <laughs> It's my friend. My friend. Um, he said, like, like he didn't understand why it wasn't like super negative. It didn't make any sense for it not to be just like a mm. straight up recollection of everything that he did, and just a damning indictment of him on a cellular level, just ripping apart his his entire existence. And and I was trying to work out if BBC had a hand in it somehow because you know how complicit they were. No, I think it's more Netflix like to weave a story where they want you to. Be on the side of their character, other characters, the main focus, so that when you can, so they can do the whole, oh, he's bad, actually. Because they did that with Tiger King, didn't they? Where they get you on the sides of all these horrible people. Yeah, and the other problem is that, like Tiger King, more more interesting stuff happened behind the scenes than they actually got in the documentary. Mm. Like, like there were people that were like, oh, Joe King's innocent. Oh, he's just this. Game like and then all like oh you know he's got a tiger that he killed that he's had stuffed in his loft and it's got fucking flashlights in it mm. so he can fuck a tiger a dead tiger and they're like yeah we left that out of the documentary because we didn't think it was relevant it's like how is that not fucking relevant the guy's a fucking scumbag uh, but yeah um, but yeah Jimmy Savile documentary is just dog shit it's not yeah, worth wonder, watching like the real for Netflix for any documentaries that are any um, more complex than do you remember this toy from the eighties. <laughs> but Optimus Prime was a pedo. When you, he wasn't. Optimus Prime wasn't a pedo. It's clearly someone trying to redo what they did with capturing the Freedmans. But the problem is, capturing the Freedmans was about a small Jewish family in New York that very few people were aware of. Mm. The only reason they were linked, and the only reason that documentary got made, is because initially they got funding to do a short documentary about a Jewish entertainer who was the most popular clown in the whole of New York. And it turns out he was the son of this horrible pedophile. And like, it's like. That's how that got made. That's a natural way for something like that to become a, like to mm. become a subject. In this, it's like Jimmy Savile was quite a good guy. Jimmy Savile was quite a good guy. He used to help kids. He used to help kids, and it's like, yeah, but you fucked a bunch of them. Mm. And it's like the problem is that like if you had threaded that through the whole of the narrative, you went, these are his victims. This is what he did to them. And like you say, like this is what they said happened. This is what they tried to get him prosecuted for. This is what they took him to court for. This is where they tried to get money from him for. And like, and if you did all of that and you actually showed it, can you can you not imagine like that would be hard fucking? The story hitting. should be how does it 
covered up all the time. How was they like, don't even talk about that. How does it don't, not become like, like a mainstream thing so that people know? They mention about like his flat and he has these meetings on Saturday mornings where police from the area came to see him. Hmm. And like and someone sent a letter to the police and one of the young officers got this letter and it's like, Jimmy Samuel needs to be investigated. He's a fucking nonce. He's fucking children. And and they they got it. And he passed it to senior members of members of the fucking police, the con, the constabula- uh, constabulary. 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 Um, he gave it to him and he went, oh, I'll investigate this. And it never materialised again because they were covering up for this fucking paedophile and every one of them needs to be completely pulled to pieces for what they fucking did because they are as responsible for what happens to those kids as Jimmy Savile and that's the fucking problem they don't touch any of that it's all this fucking candy coated shit so saying this this documentary might be a little bit too late to rehab Jimmy Savile's image no 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 this documentary is not a documentary Ah. it's a love letter to a paedophile and the last 20 minutes are like buddy was bad hmm like that's it did bad things. There's going to be a documentary about Jared Leto in the same way at some oh, point. Oh yeah, and Graham Linehan. <laughs> yeah, like I can't wait for like Graham Linehan to accidentally like accidentally like post his DMs on his little fucking mum's net account, and it's just like how many trans people has he tried to try to get naked pictures of on the internet? <laughs> like he's definitely one of those fucking cunts. He's like every priest in America or any of those fucking horrible conversion people. Like, you know, the fucking religious conversion. Can't cats. believe trans people took his wife away. Just them. <laughs> not not him, not his actions. It was He's, them. Like, I'm not insinuating that Graham Linham is as bad as as Jimmy Savile. It's just the fact he was in this documentary was funny. And he is a scumbag piece of shit. So why not talk about him in the same way I talk about other scumbag pieces of shit? Um, but yeah, like, you could make a good documentary about the subject. And you could make it... You, you need to make it tough to watch. Because it shouldn't be like this. This is just bad. It's an advertisement. Actually, I'm going to give it Jared Leto, the worst They advertised it a lot. Yeah. Netflix are obviously hoping to get some Netflix subscriptions off of this. Yeah. But I don't know who doesn't... They've got the Bill Cosby one coming up next. Yeah. Well, they have to wait until he's dead. Bring my suit. Mm. Got out of prison, didn't he? He's back on the streets, that fucking monster. Mm. It's just what everyone did in the 70s. I still like... Do you remember Eddie Murphy's joke? Everyone had a bit of a hypno in their pockets in the 70s. Do you remember remember Eddie Murphy's joke about, about... Bill Cosby. So Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby famously called up Eddie Murphy. Or at least this is the story Eddie Murphy tells. He calls up Eddie Murphy and he goes, he goes, Eddie, my son went to go see one of your shows and he came back and he told me you said the most horrendous things on stage. And Eddie Murphy's like, oh, I'm sorry, Bill. What what did I say? And then Bill Cosby says, he said you came out on stage and you said filth, flying filth, pussy shit, cunt fucker. And then Eddie Murphy goes, Bill, I don't just walk out on stage and, and, and you know, say swear words. I'd like to think there's some jokes in there as well. And he goes, he goes, I am very disappointed with you. And he hangs up the phone really angry. And Eddie Murphy, to console himself, to have like a moment of levity, calls up Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor, he goes, he goes, Rich, I just got a call from Bill Cosby. And he was really, really, uh, really angry and really mean to me because his son saw my show and there was loads of swear words and stuff. And then Richard Pryor says, that motherfucker calls you again, tell him to suck my dick like that. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate Bill Cosby. <laughs> he was America's daddy. He had those... Jumpers. Do you remember the jumpers? Yeah, the sweaters, the yeah. Cosby sweaters. And that time he said Pokemon with the Pokemon with the Pokey and the man. And yeah, the yeah. Man and the How could that person uh, rape, molest, drug, 
47 women that came forward. Yeah. All with uh, accounts that matched a timeline of his whereabouts over the course of 30 years. Yeah. Interesting. No, they just they just want money. <laughs> yeah, they just they just want money. Yeah, don't listen to the fucking victims. Stupid fucking world we live in. Anyway, and your review. Uh, it's my third review. Yeah. I watched Earwig and the Witch. What? Earwig and the Witch. It's the most recent Studio Ghibli film. Came out end of last year, midway through last year. Is this year. a CGI one? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, because it's directed by Goro Miyazaki, who had previously done um Tales from Earthsea, which is also not great. I like Tales from Earthsea. It's don't you think that like, halfway through that film, it just seems to it skip like spectacle. three books. It also just becomes like spectacle. <laughs> it skips a massive chunk, clearly. Um, but this one, it's it's a weird thing because okay, so it's adapted from a book by um Danwyn Jones called Earwig and the Witch. Yeah, and it was the last book published before she died. She had one other one that was just in the process of being finished off and her sister finished the last bits of it based on her notes. Yeah. But Earwig and the Witch was meant to be the first of like a series of books. So there's only ever this first book. And this film is like, as far as I can tell, it feels like very much a straight adaptation of that first book. And it's not even a long book. It's a pretty short one. Mm. It's, you know, it's a little one for kids. Um, it's about a girl who's in an orphanage. She gets dropped off there by someone who claims that she's the daughter of witches comes from there's a coven of 12 witches which you never see they get mentioned twice which is like you know seeds for later books that never happen yeah um but they left it in the film and she gets dropped off an orphanage and she's grown up in the orphanage can getting everyone to do what she wants basically she subtly controls everything she you know sucks up to the bosses influence. and all that sort of stuff she has influence. yeah and now she's yeah. taken away to a home that's run by this woman who's a big scary witch lady and she's got this guy called the Mandrake living there who's very quiet and just gets angry mm. and stuff if things aren't exactly how he wants them. And she has to, like, basically work for the witch lady making potions and stuff for the local village, set in, like, a Devonshire town or something like Somerset-type area. Um, but she basically makes it her goal to, you know, become the person who's in control in the house like she had back at the orphanage. So she sets out to learn how to do her own potions because the lady's not teaching her any and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's a little mystery that's weaving in there when she finds out that the people in this house used to be part of a band. There's big... Well, it's not really. It's, it's pretty obvious. Like, it's not It's not a plot twist or anything because we know as viewers, she doesn't know. This is a... You shouldn't really let the reader know what viewer know more than the main characters. Mm. But um, her mother, who dropped her off at the orphanage, was the third member of this band that the witch and the mandrake were in years ago. Yeah. They don't know she's her daughter. Oh, okay. But, so it's all just a coincidence. Well, they sort of are drawn to her some way when they go to the orphanage. There's a little hint that they sort of... There may be some magic, like... So are they a couple, her and the mandrake? Nah, sort of. They just sort of live together, it seems. So why are they looking for a child to adopt? They want someone to help out in the potion. Oh, so it's just is like Which a servitude is, thing. Yeah, okay. and they've got this weird magical house where the rooms shift and change and nothing's... Oh, like Harry Potter. Quite scenes and all this sort of stuff, but... It's a weird thing. It's just like a little tiny house. It's got like one corridor and sometimes the doors are there and sometimes they aren't and stuff. Um, but no, the, the thing feels like very much the first book of a series of books. It it doesn't like end, it just stops. There's like mysteries raised up about Earwig finding out about the band and who's the red-haired lady? I want to know who she is. And then the final shot of the film is the red-haired lady turning up on the doorstep and saying hi. So it's like, oh, and then leading you to think she'd, you know... 
find out that the red-haired lady's her mother and all this sort of stuff in later books and find out more about this witch's coven they mentioned and, you know, finding out, you know, cracking the exterior of the Mandrake a bit more because he's sort of like, just, he's sort of slightly on her side by the end of it. But it's all little things where, like, if you were adapting this one singular book that has no follow-ups, you'd probably trim stuff out or have the film have, like, an extra, have the final act be something that wraps up some of the mysteries you've brought up in some way. Yeah. Um, but instead, it it feels like something that would have been, like, a 45-minute-long first episode of a TV show, like, rather than, you know, to start a series, rather than a hour and 20-minute-long film. Feels like dragged out a little bit, goes on a bit longer than it needs to. Because, yeah, like I say, the, the book it comes from is not a particularly long book. You know, it's like, you know, like the first Harry Potter book's kind of small. Yeah. And when they drag it out to a two and a half hour long film, it kind of pads well, a little bit. The script's meant to be like one page of a script is a minute on screen, isn't it? Yeah, but not in book form. No, I know, but like, I think it was written, the, it was adapted by J.K. Rowling, which is why it's uh, so long. No, the film script, she didn't write any of the films. The film, the film script was um, Chris Columbus did the first one. Oh, did he actually write the script? Yeah, it was involved. There was another person who wrote yeah. it as well. But um, this one very much feels like just it's just weird to do stuff like leave the mystery of her, who her mother is in there when you can't answer it, and leave the little informa- information about the witch's coven that's supposed to rule over everyone when you can't do anything with that because it doesn't exist. Like it's straight up. There's no notes left by Diane Wynne Jones telling like you know where the story was going or anything mm. that they could build off of it's not like you know when they were making the scott pilgrim film and they didn't actually know what the last chapter was going to be like they just had a little bit of an outline yeah they had they still had like the outline of what briley o'malley was going to do yeah and they did their own thing in the film and then he did his own thing in the comics which is why the, the comic and the film diverged quite a bit in the last chapter it does go different directions. I mean, there's, yeah, definitely no there's different directions in terms of like the actual final yeah, yeah. moments, but like leading up to it, it's very similar. Yeah, the stuff before then is all very same. But yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things where there literally isn't anything for them to build on. Because yeah. Diane Jones stopped writing in 2010, like before the first book came out, and she was writing a different book entirely. Yeah. Um, so she passed away. Yeah. So there's nothing, nothing else to build on, but they still leave all those little things in there. And on the one hand, it's kind of like this thing where maybe you think here, because that's, you know, it's what death does. It leaves empty gaps mm. that you can't close and leaves like threads hanging. Because, you know, no one, no one has a nice conclusion to their story before they die, <laughs> no matter what the films make you think. Mm. Like, I, I appreciate in a film or TV show when a character looks like they're going to be achieving something and they get snapped away before they get there. Because that's what happens in Do life. You know what? I, have you seen the film 1917? No, the war one where it's the two lads. Running. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. There's something like that in there, yeah. and also actually, oddly enough, like in uh, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, um, the King's Man. Yeah, where people keep thinking the young lad's going to be the main character. He's not clearly from the film's perspective. He's not the main character. No, I know, but, it's but just he's the given suddenness a, like yeah. that. That that. But the film like, constantly tells you he's yeah, yeah. I know. Like if he came because people expect a triumphant <laughs> victory, and it's not. It's not what's going to happen. It's World War One. Hmm. It's dreadful. But this does leave you with that little empty threads hanging over, which is maybe them trying to do their little tribute to Diane Wynne Jones because they've adapted a few of her books now yeah. into Ghibli films and stuff, and it's their little way of they saying. Could also continue on because isn't this like an Amazon Prime thing? No, no. Was it like a proper? Film yeah, it's called Ghibli film. Yeah, oh, yeah. They it must have been that series I was thinking of that Amazon know. Prime did. Lord knows. Yeah. Um, although every time I hear the title like, Earwig and the Witch, I keep thinking of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah, that's what I thought initially <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> um, 
but no, nah. great film. Um, but it's 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 fine enough. The CG animation feels a bit outdated and stuff. But I mean, it's their first CG film, isn't it? They're probably going to do more, I'd imagine. Um, although Goro Miyazaki apparently claims that he's the only person there who understands how to do it. What? Because his dad's not doing it anymore. Yeah, no, no. Well, his dad wouldn't do it. Dad's making another film. Is he? Yeah, he's coming out of retirement for another film. Jesus, for like the fifth time <clears throat> that he's claimed yeah, he's going he into did. retirement. Was it Ponyo? He was claiming he was going to retire after Princess Mononoke. That <laughs> that is one hell of a film, though. Yeah, that's like a good film. To but he did out. the Wind Rises would have been a really good finale film for him because yeah. that one's got a lot of per- of his own personal past in it. Mm. But he's doing something else. Um, but no, I still haven't seen... Um, what was the one before this, when Marnie was there? I still haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that either. No. Yeah. Wind Rises was the last one I watched. The last film that I watched that I thought was Ghibli was fucking Graveyard of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies, yeah. yeah that's frigging years ago. It right? is years. Like, that's not Ghibli yet. either. That's Ghibli. Is it? Yeah. Is this how Takahata's film? Oh, I thought it from was. From 1988. It's so good, though. Yeah. So heartbreaking. It's a lot of fun. Hilarious. Show it to your kids. There's like... I, I I went back on my. Uh, They're showing barefoot again straight afterwards. Every so often I go back and like, what was the one with the Scottish <clears throat> the Scottish couple where there's like a nuclear and they they on there when the where the the way the wind blows or yeah. something yeah yeah I've I've the been watching nuclear end of the world shit again and that's uh, that's on my list but yeah grave grave of the to fireflies. get you prepped yeah yeah grave of the yeah. fireflies is probably one of the most here's what you'll do when a nuke goes off burn there's like <laughs> there. I watched the day after tomorrow again, which is the American like version of Freds. Which is like, is uh, it you really? You think the day after tomorrow is the American version of Freds? Do you know what day after tomorrow is? Yeah, the one where the planet freezes over no, with Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis no, Quaid. No, 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 no. It's an eighties film about nukes going off in the US. It's got John Lithgow in it. It's got um, it's got um, well, it's got fucking tons of people. It's Steve Gutenberg's in it and stuff. Yeah, it was a TV miniseries. It wasn't called Day After Tomorrow. Oh, the day after. Yeah, maybe yeah, the day after. I think it was called. Um, but in that they they like they go through one of the one of the more interesting things are that they have like the emergency bunkers and stuff like that are underneath like buildings that would be targets mm. and they say like oh so people will be trapped under here and for the most part they'll survive for X amount of days but once the generator gives up because it can't draw in air anymore because the air's covered in rubble and the vents are covered in rubble they'll die and John Lift goes one of them and he says he says like we're smoking, we're drinking, you know, we're doing everything that we would normally do just to keep morale up and all this other stuff. And then, like, it cuts to, like, months and months later and they're, like, replacing their last filter and they can't work out why there's so much dust and shit in it. And they're like, we were meant to have filters to last us, like, ten years down here. And they're like, this lasts us six months. Something's going wrong here. And you can, like, he's the last one and, like, he's just lying there and there is a cigarette still smouldering in his hand with, like, the last vestiges of oxygen being drained mm. away by the fact that they were just smoking and drinking and just continuing on. Dumbasses. It's fucking insanely good, though. Steve Goodberg has a really tragic end in that. One of the girls goes stir-crazy because they... Basically, he finds a farm and he goes and talks to the farmer and he's like, the, the nukes have gone... They're like, everybody needs to just get underground and protect themselves. And they go under into this basement that, like, is like a storage basement. So it's, like, some level of protection down there. And they're all hiding down there and the girl starts going mad because her boyfriend that she was meant to be marrying... She, like, she he's dead. Her brother's blind because he looked at the fucking flash when the bombs hit. And, like, they are just barely surviving on the canned food. But she's just losing her fucking mind. And she just runs out. And she runs out of the basement. She goes up on the ground. And she is running through the soil barefoot. And Steve Gutenberg stops the family from going up and just sacrifices himself. Runs up, goes and grabs her and drags her back to the basement. And he has to explain to him it's like thousands of invisible bullets 
riddling your body with with cancer and tearing you to pieces. And you do see that they've both got like fatal doses because in the end he has to take her and her brother to the hospital. And she's like lying in a bed, like they've just got a gymnasium in the school Hmm. filled with people dying of radiation poisoning. And he goes up to her and he goes, I got your ribbon for your hair. And she's like, you see her, like all of it's fallen out. It's all just fucked. Her teeth are black and like the rotten and dying. And she, he takes his hat off and he's got exactly the same, like half of it's like fucking bobbling and scarred where there's just cancerous infectious tissue. It's just grim. But uh, Grave of the Fireflies is a lot better, a lot happier. <laughs> why are you talking about that? I was talking about nuclear films. Yeah, why? I don't know. We got onto a tangent. It's your fault. Sorry, is it my review? I guess. What did you think of your... What was the final verdict on... What was I reviewing? The um, Witch. Yeah, Wig and the Witch. Yeah, Wig and the Witch. Yeah, it was... It was beer. Is it weird watching it knowing it won't end? Well, I didn't know anything about it. I just watched it. Oh, and then found out afterwards. Yeah, but when you're watching it, you blatantly... You feel the... You can tell this is not... when After about 40 minutes in, it feels like nothing's moving. It's oh, like, yeah. You can tell it's like... It's not leading to a conclusion. It's leading no. to just continue on. Leading up to stop. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I watched. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip these around. I played Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, and this game played a Kirby is beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful looking. It's got a great fucking art style. It runs quite well on the Switch, and uh, and it is just a fucking delight to play. I played the demo. It's so nice, like. So I, I, the game I've mostly been playing is Elden Ring. Like I still play Elden Ring all the time. Well, when I get the chance to, anyway. And um, and Elden Ring is is so dour, and like often you are frustrated by the lack of progression because it is you know there are difficult areas. You just uh, you can't cheese every boss, you know. You just can't cheese every boss. Okay, I'll cheese every boss in Elden Ring. Um, <laughs> so, so I um I've been playing Kirby. I've I've almost completed. I'm on the last last area, and. Uh, and it is just so nice. It is, it's a very, very, very good 3D platformer for Kirby. It's the first 3D platformer, um, in the Kirby games, like proper 3D, because he's done like yeah. 3D, 2D. You know, it was the N64 3D. one that was yeah. 3D graphics, 2D game. And it's the first Kirby game I've played since Epic Yarn on the Wii U. Was it Epic Yarn or was it Big Adventure or what was it called? Epic Yarn. I think it was Epic Yarn. Kirby's yeah. Epic Yarn. Really good, really enjoyed that game. Beautiful art style again, you know, just really nice, all round great. Did you game. not play the free to play fighting game? No, thing? no, wasn't no, 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 I did not. No, I didn't play the last one they released for Switch either that was like a cheapy one, like the £20 one. I don't know what that was. Star Allies was that the fighting game? No, it was a um, multiplayer platform, it's a Kirby game, but you had four players. Oh, right, yeah, I might give it a go at some point then in that case, but um. <clears throat> but yeah, Kirby and the Forgotten Lands. I wasn't interested in leading up to this. I made a lot of jokes about Kirby Vore and all the other shit that everybody else was making jokes about on the internet because I'm unoriginal. Uh, but I also, I didn't see how this could run so well on the Switch because it would look big, you know, like it's big, it's bright, there's a lot of shit going on. Did you not play the demo? Um, I did, and then the demo changed my changed my mind, so I decided I was going to pick it up when it was released. And lo and behold, I did, and it is, it is... Such a good companion game to Elden Ring. It's a great way. Yeah, they to... share a lot of similarities. Yeah. No, no, they don't share similarities. Oh. That's not what I'm saying. Oh. I, you know how Animal Crossing came out the same time as Doom. And they're Eternal. both set in a world that's been ruined by yeah. some sort of cataclysm. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. No, you know how. And Animal- in Elden Ring, you swallowed cars. <laughs> in Elden, like in, when Doom Eternal came out, Animal Crossing came out, and they were such a good companion pair of games because you had like Doom Eternal, like just shooting a madness, and then you could unwind by picking some fruit in Animal Crossing, and it was just they knew that they were coming out at the right time to be a good because like even even some of the some of the creators got involved in like the lore and like lore and like getting those two characters together in, like, fan art and shit like that. It was all really sweet. And I'm getting the same sort of vibe from this. I've got, like, Elden Ring where I'm, like, slowly hacking away at a boss and, like, after I've defeated that boss, you get, like, that that massive build of, like, yeah, I fucking did it. And then, like, you turn the game off and, like, I'll go and I'll relax by playing a bit of Kirby and just having a nice, easy time. And uh, and it's just perfect. Now, you could try and relax by doing something productive. For society? Yeah. I can't think of anything right now. Can oh, okay. Play Kirby. Um, but it's really fun. It's really cute. Um, apparently, there's like an after. There's like a after you've completed the main game. Once you've got like the waddledees and stuff, and you've you've done the main part, there's like post game content as well you can do, which I'm looking forward to. I've unlocked like the um, you get like an arena in your because you've got a little waddley town. So you've all been transported to this world, and you've set up like a little camp for all of the waddledees that you save. And as you save more waddledees, they build more stuff, and you can upgrade the powers you get from people that you that you eat and stuff like that and and there is like a load of stuff to do and there's oh, like cannibalism a eating gacha, people gacha machine thing yeah. where you can get statues um but yeah really really nice beautiful looking and just such a fucking lovely game and i cannot recommend it enough like on the switch it's it is as good if well it's it's a little bit too easy at times even on hard there's no real challenge to it. Kirby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but, like, it is... It's just another near-perfect platformer. It's like at Mario Odyssey, or like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it's to the same degree, the same standard as those. Because it is just beautiful to look at, lots of fun, and, you know, you might accidentally come across... like Because when you complete a level, it reveals some of the objectives. So, like, if you... you, you yeah. Basically, you clear a level and there's, like, hidden waddledees. And some of them will be, like rescue the ducks and take them to their mum and stuff like that. And then if you do that just um, just naturally as you play the level, then that one will be will be completed and you'll find the next one. Um, and then you can rerun the levels to unlock all the waddledees and stuff like that. But most of the time you'll find them all just playing the level. You might miss one or two here and there. Yeah, I found a bunch of them when I played the demo. I think I only missed a couple. Yeah, and then like you've got little side, you've got little side challenges and you do those and you can unlock... You can unlock uh, stars to power up your moves. But you can also... There are, like, time challenges there as well. And if you complete the time challenges, you get some extra coins. But coins don't really mean anything in the game. Like, you can use them to buy some stuff, but for the most part, like... I think they get used as continues. If you die, you lose 100 coins, but you won't really die very often in this. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's near perfect. I'm going to give it to Tom Atkins just because I've enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I need to play eventually, but I've also got too many other things to play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised I managed to get through it so much, but like, to be fair, like you sit down in an hour, you can clear one of the whole stages, like the first time through, and then do the boss. Um, if you don't do any of the bonus stages anyway, I did do one of the bosses on the demo where like the gorilla, yeah, it encourages you to use like the item you pick up. I think it's the ice. But if you sword get rid of that and use the stars, you yeah, can do you more damage, kick more ass about it. And yeah. you know, if you fly up and you shoot at the head or at the chain around his neck, it does more damage mm. than if you just shoot at his neck. Yeah, yeah, I kicked his ass. Yeah, really clever little design. I like the fact they give you a big pile of bananas before you start that, and like 
you think to yourself, what am I using these bananas for? And it's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> they're, just, they're just food. He looks like a boss from one of the Monkey Ball games, though, doesn't he? He does. He does. Yeah. Like, some of the bosses look really interesting. There's one that you fight in, like, a circus, like a big top of this cat. There's one that's a veiny penis just coming for you. No, there isn't. Oh, the, the um, plant that one. that Dante's Inferno I've been playing again? Oh, is there no. a plant one in this? Probably. I don't know. There might but be Kirby swallows the giant penis. <laughs> yeah. There's one of those trees. You know Takes the trees you always get? Come shooting bells. Yeah. It doesn't kill the enemies, but it just really irritates them. Yeah, just covers them. <laughs> oh, he's squirting at me. Right. And your review. This is one Kirby you can't beat off. Um, Yeah. Do you think Kirby's got, like, anti... Um, sim- like, what's it? Seamer side. It's just because the guy in charge of it is into Vor. That's yeah. the only reason Kirby... He's so into Vor. Mm. All right, anyway, your review. You should look up something Hedgehog Vor. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> that, um Digitize Alive. And they were like... What's it doing? They had Slope's game, Slope from DJ Slope on stage and Suze Kempner. Yeah. And they were making them um, answer questions of whether it was like, I think it was like people's fan art Sonic Hedgehogs or Sonic the Hedgehog 4 that was coming up. And then Sonic Inflation things. Well, that's not in the film though, is it? In the new one? Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, anyway. I'm going to see the new Sonic. I've, I've still got to. Apparently there's a Mean Bean Machine reference in there, oh, really? so I'm definitely watching it. Apparently it's quite good as well. Of course it's a Sonic Hedgehog movie. Because yeah. <laughs> the proof is that anyone other than Sega can make good Sonic Hedgehog stuff. And Sega can't. Sega. Anyway, I, last review, played Lego Star Wars, oh, The yeah. Skywalker Saga. How's that? I brought it. I brought a new game for myself. Treating yeah. myself to an actual new release game for the first time since Gran Turismo 7 a few weeks ago, which I haven't played for weeks. Um, and then, they fucked that, Mike. I don't need to get back onto it. Apparently they gave everyone a million credits. I don't know what I'd do with that, but... They didn't change the prices back down. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, haven't, like, I haven't touched it. You may be fucked. I was having fun with it, like, yeah. but I just ended up playing other stuff. Yeah. Playing Guardians of the Galaxy for a bit, wasn't it's I? It's so good. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet. I need to no. get back onto that. I've just done the big mid-pit. But um, Lego Star Wars, it's a game, was Lego and Star Wars. We've yeah. played, there's been multiple Lego Star Wars games have, before yeah. now. And this is kind of like, it's kind of like accumulating them all together, but it's not like the previous ones where they did, remember they did the Complete Saga, which was all the prequels and original trilogy games? Yeah. And it was basically the levels from both of those. Yeah. Slightly tweaked on some of them, redone, but it was basically that whole game, Those all those games together. This isn't like that. Because they did um, Lego Force Awakens, didn't they? But they yeah. didn't do Rise of Skywalker and Last Jedi, did they? No. Um, instead, they started on this Complete Saga thing instead. Well, it's a different engine, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely different. Um the game's structure as well is it's very much like trying to follow beat for beat everything in the movies that you can. So there's loads of parts where you'll take control of a character just to walk somewhere and activate a cutscene, but you'll be in like a big open world area. Mm. So it'll be like Coruscant and it's like a massive open world Coruscant area where there's loads of hidden things and Lego bricks to find and, mm. you know, the little mini kits and challenges to complete and things like that. And then when you get you know, when you've exhausted what you can do there because you can't change freely what characters you have in story mode so much until you've unlocked the free play version of those areas. Um, You go to the next story beat and sometimes it'll just be a cutscene, sometimes it'll be a level, but the level might be only a really short thing. Yeah. Um, You know, when you get the same thing as before, we get the true hero rating. It's now three levels of that. You you know, because you collect the studs, don't you? Yeah. Or you do what everyone else does and wait until they got the cheat for the multiple times 
stud bonus that everyone oh, yeah. has, and then you just wrap that on and get the billion stud achievement that all the games always have. Um, I've managed to get the true hero, true Jedi rating on a few stages, though, just by smashing shit up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's it's for I don't know whether it's because like the structure wise, this is an, it's kind of a neat structure. It's kind of like having loads of mini versions of the New York map from the Lego Marvel game. Yeah. Um, where you'll go to a location and that will start the level. But there is a lot of times where this feels like you're just ferrying from checkpoint to checkpoint to activate the next cutscene. And sometimes you'll have like three sets of cutscenes in a row before another level will come oh. up. Um, and sometimes the levels aren't... like I don't think many of them are as big as the levels in the original games. No. But the first level of the New Hope one I've done, that one felt like a proper big stage. But then you get stuff like... The last level of Revenge of the Sith is just fighting Anakin. And it's a really long, drawn-out sequence. It goes through every beat of that fight against Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. Like, and I'm not going to like every single beat of it. Yeah. Um, you even have stuff where you're climbing up the metal structure as it's melting into the lava and you have to jump on the flying things and attack each other. And yeah. then you have to switch to R2-D2 and C-3PO to destroy <laughs> the platforms. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just like, yeah, lots of that sort of stuff. But some of the levels are real short. Some of them will just be... The bit where you're playing as um ba- as baby Anakin fly you know destroying the the donut thing yeah donut ship whatever it's called the blockade no it's not a blockade one is it the what they call it the the um I can't remember new gun race big old thing yeah. and you blow it up and he's just like now this is pod racing um it's not pod racing you stole a Naboo ship Anakin yeah we freaking put in jail. I've heard that, like, so I have heard that they're like truncated. They've they've taken the they always are. It's yeah, still they, about the same as what the previous games were. Oh, really? Still, I heard it's like an hour per story. Yeah, probably so about like two, three hours for each one. Ah, okay. Even if you do, even if you don't do any side stuff, it will still take you about two hours to get for each one. Yeah. And I did all the Revenge of the Sith one in one sitting, and that took about two hours or so. Cool. Um, it depends on the film, I reckon. You <laughs> yeah. know how much how much opportunity there is for sequence because a lot of the Revenge of the Sith one was. Like half of it was getting to the point where Anakin turns to the dark side, and the second half was just the like murdering kids. No, well, you don't get to do that. Oh, no, disappointing. Um, but the second half was just like the Yoda fighting the Emperor, and then Obi Wan fighting Anakin. Um, there is a good running gag in the third one though, in Revenge of the Sith, where they because you know how Anakin gets on the council and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but they keep treating him like a child. And he sits there, he gets on the council and he goes and opens up his desk and pulls out a colouring book and he's colouring in. And it's like a running gag that keeps coming up is that he's got a colouring book they just give because they treat him like a kid. And then when you go to the, um, when you see the Jedi temple's been attacked by him, there's like graffiti on the wall written in crayon saying Jedi suck, Anakin rules and stuff like that. Mm. And his colouring book discarded at the side <laughs> to show that he's grown yeah. and become a more mature person who's now going to kill everyone. Absolutely. But um, yeah, fun little running gags like that. Um, but no, it's it's quite good. I like the um, new hope opens with you see a like a knockoff R two D two and C three PO walking through the blockade runner, and then a load of debris lands on them, and R two D two and C three PO come out from the <laughs> other side, um, as if like you know if that bit of debris hadn't fallen on, they could have been the ones yeah that had the adventure. Um, there's a lot of stuff in it though. It's like three hundred and eighty characters, I think it is. Yeah. Um, inc- I, get, I don't know if that includes costumes either, though. I think that just includes individual Jesus. character. Well, there's a lot of it's it's nine movies, isn't it? Yeah, and it's Star Wars. There's some characters who are like on there multiple times because they're like, like you get young Anakin, you get 
um, episode two Anakin and his costume changes, episode three Anakin and his I costume changes. Said that you can unlock the Mandalorian in this, not the story, but the character. He's a DLC. Yeah, yeah, there's a DLC okay. for it. There's like an eleven ninety nine season pass thing. Oh, okay. And it's just characters. It's not story stuff, so you don't get to do Rogue One. No. Although there's a little bit of Rogue One inserted at the start of um, A New Hope. You see her getting the plat. Oh, later the plans. plans. Yeah. Yeah. You see, she gets the plans, and then she goes, "What is that?" And she goes, "Hope." And then. Um, sounds like a lot of the voice cast are taken from the Clone Wars cartoon as well. Oh, really? It's definitely Anakin and Obi Wan are the same person. Yeah. Um, I think Sam Witwer's doing the Emperor as well. I fucking love Sam Witwer. Pretty sure it is. I watched the episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia with him in it. Mm. You know where they they decide they're gonna hit, they're gonna turn his mum's mansion into a party mansion, and they're handing out leaflets, and he goes, "Hey guys, uh, hey guys, uh, you know this looks like a cock, right?" And they're like, they're like, no. It's a bicep like that. And he goes, oh right, yeah, cool. I'll be there. And it's like Sam was like flirting with, with Mac. It's like, okay, okay, yeah, no, I suggest. And they're like, uh, okay, man, okay, cool, all right. And then Charlie comes up, and they're like, they're like, hey, people really don't want our dick flies. And they're like, it's, you know, it's a dick. And he goes, well, yeah. And he goes, it's meant to be a bicep. It's like, oh, if you want it to be a bicep, you should have put more veins on it. <laughs> <laughs> That guy, I'm going to use this crossbow to pierce my broken heart back together. <laughs> this guy's badass. Why are you on about Sam Whitworth? Sorry, he Sam Whitworth in that episode. He uh, yeah. he flirts with uh, Mac. He's like, "Yeah, I'll come to your party, imagine." Young Sam Whitworth yeah. before The Walking Dead. Yeah, it's funny that Frank Darabont before Star Wars Force Unleashed no, after one and two after. No, I've got to be before that. No, the first one was like 2004 for that one. No, it's later than that because the Xbox 360 didn't come out until 2005. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. Those are coming out on Switch, aren't they? Yeah. But they're the Wii versions. Are they? Yeah. It won't be. It'll be. Yeah, the Wii versions remastered. They specifically said that. Yeah. Uh, because apparently those ones were very popular. Probably. Yeah. Same game, wasn't it? And just with motion controls. No, because it was a different. They had to basically remake it was a bit like um, you know they used to just port the PSP versions over mm. to the Wii it's a bit like that yeah. they should bring back the Wii version of Ghostbusters that was quite good yeah with all the cartoony designs yeah that was just the PSP version as well no it was the Wii it was Wii only no no I, it was on PSP as well with the not same that, character designs I don't think the PSP had a version of yeah, Ghostbusters you're a liar no I'm not you're a filthy liar it also came out on the 2DS or 3DS whichever one it was at the time you're, that didn't, you're yeah lying. it did big liar but it was like a completely different game again. Your face. Anyway. Lego Star Wars, anyway, yeah. <sighs> well, I'm working for it. I'm only on A New Hope. I've done all the prequel ones. Never have to revisit them again. Um. <laughs> Just it's just fun. Fun little cutscenes. Yeah. Fun stuff. I think the structure's a bit wonky in places. Makes the pacing weird. Um, but the way there's like every planet that you visit has got some open world area to run around. It's like even Geonosis. Yeah. Like who gives a shit about Geonosis? The X-Men? No, that's... No. Geonosis yeah. is the um, the planet with the Bugmen from Attack of the Clones. Oh, right. Cool. Where they're, the bit where they ripped off um, John Carter from Mars. Yeah. And then when John Carter, the movie came out, everyone said it was ripping off Attack of the Clones. And like, no, they ripped off the sequence from the John Carter books. Yeah. It's the cover of one of the books. I actually didn't mind that John Carter movie. John Carter movie's fine. It's yeah. a solid film. Should have been called John Carter of Mars. Yeah, it should. But anyway. Um, yeah, Lego Star Wars. 
it's all right. It's, you know, yeah. it's out. It's fine. Um, I don't know about the DLC. There's apparently there's, they're adding Mandalorian season one, Rogue One, and Solo characters are available now, mm-hmm. and there's more characters being added later or something. Okay. Like I think it's season two of Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and something else. It seems weird that they're not just going to fucking include it. But they're not. This, this is Skywalker saga, so it's not. It's not you know Rogue One solo Mandalorian is outside. No, it's not. Mandalorian has Luke Skywalker in it. Yeah, but it's not part of the Skywalker saga. Then why is he in it? Because they wanted to make you go, hey, there's Luke Skywalker. I know Luke Skywalker. Because <laughs> that's what the Mandalorian and the Disney Star Wars things are like: is to make you remember the things you've seen before. I actually like the Mandalorian quite a bit. I like the um the when Booker Boba Fett turned into the Mandalorian for the last three episodes. Yep. Yeah, that was the best part of that series. Yes, it was. Mm. Well, actually, I see. I like the story of the. Mandalorian. He's in one scene over two in the course of two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Boba yeah. Fett is. I know. It's quite funny. Completely forget this a Boba Fett show. <laughs> anyway. Cool. Is it my review now? Sure, maybe. I'm going to talk about Fantastic Beasts Free. Not not something better. No. Oh. Got to get it out. Got to do the content. Got to upset the turfs because their favourite fucking author can't write a fucking story. Um, so, last we left the crew of Fantastic Beasts. Uh, Dan Fogler, for some reason, hadn't forgotten his wife. And then his wife joined the evil people in Fantastic Beasts 2. And now he's back again to help out and get a wand for some reason. Um, give you a wand in a minute Fantastic Beasts 2 is a weird film because at one point they mentioned how they're going to stop World War 2 the bad people and then the good people are like no World War 2 has to happen does it? yeah from their perspective? I don't think it does from their perspective does it need to happen from that time period? yeah if they were from the future and they could be like yeah but it would lead to the uniting of the EU and all this sort of stuff but they're not they can see into the future in this film is that their excuse? Maybe. So, Fantastic Beasts 3, controversially... And does Dumbledore say, but the Jews must die? Yeah. Controversially, yeah. Fantastic Beasts 3 is... Of, well, actually, this whole film is just wrapped up in fucking controversy. That's kind of the problem, isn't it? It's a series that can't escape the trappings of its author. It's a series that can't escape... She's actually a story um, writer she actually on, wrote on the films. This. Yeah. On the film scripts, because she didn't write any of the scripts of the original no, Harry Potter films. she wrote them for this, though. So and you can you still can, watch them. The last one, Fantastic Beasts 2, she was the sole script writer, and it was bad. Did you it's hear about the, the, um, the name she uses, the pen name she uses for her mystery novels no. that she's been doing? Is it the turf guy, the really horrible conversion therapy? Name? Yeah, yeah, she yeah. uses the name of a conversion therapy person. Yeah. Well, she was recently... But she claims it's just because she liked the sound of one name, and she liked the sound of another name, and she no. put them together. She's just she a, just so she's happens. a horrible human being. We all know this at this point. So anyway, so um, Fantastic Beast Free. The story is that Grindelwald, who again, like you can't talk about this fucking film without mentioning that Ezra Miller is a fucking psychopath and needs help. Why is Ezra Miller in it? He's in it. He's oh. like the main. He's one of the bad guys. One of the main bad guys. He's not on any of the posters though, because Warner Brothers are obviously distancing themselves from him. I mean, like he he's not going to be on the Flash poster, is he? Of his own fucking movie, he's not going to be on the poster. No, the other one will be. <laughs> yeah, the evil one. No, the other Flash. He's playing two versions of the yeah, Flash. No, yeah, the film, evil one will be on. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, and an evil one, though. Is it? Oh, is he playing three versions of the There's Flash? There's two of them. No, the other one's on his side. There's oh, three Flashes no, that work together. One of them's going to be the reverse Flash. Did you not hear this? No, I don't know. Where? Uh, anyway, so, uh, so, yeah, so, so Johnny Depp was replaced because he was beating Amber Heard, allegedly, although in court it was 
decided that he was. <laughs> but he was beating his wife, so he's off. And he's replaced by a much better actor, who is um, who's Mads Mikkelsen, who is actually the best part of this film. He plays bisexual fucking nightmare saucy man very well. Whereas Johnny Depp was just like, I've got one eye. <laughs> and and uh, and so, like, how do you market this fucking film? Who do you market it to other than hardcore turfs and fans of Fantastic Beasts? Because it's not got anything to do with, like, the only way they I could... never see any of these Fantastic Beasts in the trailers or anything. There's like, is it actually about anything to they, do... It's, so, Newt Scout, Scout, Scamander... He, Scaramanga. Yeah, Scaramanga. Newt, the main character, yeah. he is the author of the book, Fan- Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Right. So in the Harry Potter universe, in the original films, that's one of the books they read. And the book itself is like an alive creature that like they have to keep chains on to keep it in place. Oh, that's being impractical. It's a bit fucked up, isn't it? So anyway, yeah. so um, so in this, it's his adventures and him finding these creatures and, and often trying to conserve and save them. And this film opens up with him reaching just a little bit too late the birth site of this this small deer creature that can tell the future. Hmm. And he gets there just after Grindelwald's people get there and they steal it and kill the mother so they can't give birth to another one. Turns out they're doing this because the creature can see the future. They're going to kill it, the little, the young one, use the blood to see the future and then bring it back to life as something they can control. So like, zombify it. Which apparently they could they have done the story as like the deer would have shown people World War Two, and then the good people would have stopped World War Two, but the villains are killing them to this stop story people starting World Rowling. War Two. She wants World but War Two, but then you could have built up to the end of the film where they go, actually, maybe we'll let World War Two happen. You, did you not hear that she started saying some anti-Semitic shit because, recently? Because you know Hitler's done good for the German economy. Like, so. she's not just. And have you seen his paintings? <laughs> She's not just a turf anymore. She's also a homophobe. Yeah. And she's drifting into anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and Holocaust denial. Yeah. So she's just an awful person, Dad. Yeah. And also, can I just quickly say... It's funny she choked on her own money. The, like, people keep saying, like, she came from nothing. She did all this stuff. She, like, she was rich. She was very rich. Yeah. <laughs> she, like... One of the stories that people keep saying is, like, she wrote the first Harry Potter sitting in cafes because she couldn't afford internet. Her family owned the fucking cafe. <laughs> She was going there to get free food and coffee. If my family owned a fucking cafe, I can't claim poverty because there is always a place I can get food and water. They to, the British love to do that to posh women. Dog shit. It's like with the Princess Di thing when they tried to make out she came she from nowhere. Common. She was already in she line was for the. Very rich. She was. She was. She was in the royal family. Oh really? Yeah. She's her family. The Spencers are part of the royal family. <laughs> like. A King Ralph situation would have needed to happen for her to have become queen. But it could happen. <laughs> yeah. We call that a Johnny English nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so all right. So Newt has got... King Ralph 2. When are we going to make King Ralph 2? Yeah, when two? are they going to do that? So Dumbledore He wouldn't has, have let Brexit happen. So Dumbledore has 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 joined up with Newt because it turns out that the, the, deer, the deer creature that's going to tell the future, it was one of two that were born... So they didn't realise that she was pregnant with twins. So they've got the one that will pick the future leader of the the best leader for the wizarding world. Like it has to pick their leader. So they get together this motley crew who are going to get to the place where the ritual happens and the deer is going to decide the next... Can't they just use a hat? So a hat side? Like a sorting hat? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, that's fine. Fun, just determine the funniest who's... Family Guy sketch that they've ever done is that one where they put on the little girl's head and says, "You are in Hufflepuff, and you are a girl, <laughs> and you will never be anything other than a gal." <laughs> like that. It's like Harry Potter written by J.K. Rowling nowadays. Um, so, like, there's some explicit dialogue in this one where they do mention that that. Um, one of the more interesting things about this film is that they do mention just outright Dumbledore is gay. He's in love with with Mads Mikkelsen's mm. character. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a confusing fucking mess. Not in and the Chinese version. Not in the Chinese version. They've actually removed it. Yeah. Yeah. But apparently is, it's like two seconds cut from five. Yeah, it's just like, like literally just a line of dialogue, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Um, but like, so... so and Make a big deal about their representation and stuff and it amounts to eight seconds. Well, it's JK Rowling. <laughs> She's She doesn't really like gay people. Yeah. She likes the turf gay people, but any gay people that like trans people, she is against vehemently. Yeah. What is it? It's LGB without the T. Yeah, is what she believes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good, isn't it? That's, that's fucking people are idiots. Who follows this woman and actually goes? Millions shoes? of people. She's so fucking stupid, isn't she? Um, oh god, I hope that they. I hope that that, that Harry Potter game comes out, and they have you can be trans. You can have they them and non-binary pronouns, and you could be a boy with a dick, but you could be like a her. It used to be trans. I want that. Yeah, that's you want to know about what what is in the trousers. No, I don't need to see of it. Children, I don't need to see it because I don't want to see it, and I think it's everybody's own business as to what's in their trousers and what they're up. Let's to. have a dick size slider. <laughs> like in Cyberpunk. Oh, she must have hated Cyberpunk. Mm. <laughs> dick and fadge size slider. Yeah. Death. Just little options says in or outy. Yeah, depth slider. I just want one hole that goes my mouth down. Um, so yeah, so we all count to be wearing a strap on at all times. <laughs> this film is a fucking mess. If you can't tell from the fact that it the that plot right that isn't that that isn't told to you in a simple format. That's a very simple plot. A creature's going to pick the next leader. They've got one. The bad guys have another, and the bad guys have one that they've manipulated to pick the wrong leader. So hoping it's going to make Grindelwald the leader, even though he is a criminal who murdered a baby in the second film, literally a baby. I think if you're in this situation where you were relying on one animal to pick your next leader, you're probably not. And it was picking someone who's a baby murdering criminal. I would probably pick another system. I'm surprised that J.K. Rowling, as the writer of this, didn't didn't try and make him into like it's not like the Jimmy Savile documentary it's like he's done good things though maybe he could be a good leader yeah. um so so as that's happening like there's all this other kerfuffle because obviously Ezra Miller he believes he is um Dumbledore's uh, son or brother it's obviously not heard what Dumbledore's been uh, yeah but it turns out he's not it's actually his brother it's, it's Dumbledore's nephew because his brother had sex with the person who gave birth to to Credence, I think his name is. And Dumbledore found out about this and started throwing up at the idea of, of having sex with a woman. Sex, yeah. yeah. No, um, and like that happens, but obviously Ezra Miller can't make another one of these. And oh, there's a character in the first and second films that's really important. In fact, like a lot of the plot revolves around her in the second second mm. film. She's like an aura, which is like the police. And she's from the US. And she's like the romantic lead alongside Newt. Yeah. And she's very prominent in the first film, very prominent in the second film. You see her for one minute in this film, 
And I think that's because she came out as four trans rights publicly on Instagram. Yeah, but also in Hollywood movies, you can erase any female character from... Even if they're a love interest, you can erase them from the yeah. sequels. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, How many women did Batman get through in his like no, no, Tim no, no. Burton, so Joel Schumacher films? You it's know? really funny because at the end, their plot is like a bit like a Fast and Furious or like the Italian Job remake where they're like, if we've got multiple cases with like what looks to be the animal in it and we just all run we all try and get to the top of this mountain where they have the thing mm. then they can't stop all of us and they won't know which one of us actually has it and they go to this person they say can you make us six exact copies of this suitcase and he only makes them four and there's only five people at the end i think jk rowling forgot to correct her own writing <laughs> and add in like, because I think originally she intended that woman to be a big part of the film, and mm. then there'll also be another character, um, which I think may have been Ezra Miller. I think they may have had the reveal that he's actually the nephew of Dumbledore and have him turn to their side early on. Um, but they just, she just forgot to correct her and write. You know, it happens to the best of us in multi-million dollar pictures. And so that woman came out yeah, for but multi-million dollars. She doesn't. It's not as big a deal for her to work on a multi-million dollar film. I know. Because she's probably making a pittance compared yeah, to probably. the amount of money she has already yeah. as a very rich woman. Yeah. Um. And and I want to quickly say this: that J.K. Rowling sadly was a victim of domestic abuse, and that is awful. That truly is awful, and I and I wish that didn't happen to anyone in the world. That's fucking horrendous. But at the same time. Her abusing trans people is 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 not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. The fact that you can't see the abuse that she suffered has caused her harm to the point where she has to abuse others is awful. Uh, it does not allow anyone the right to be that way to another human being. I don't care how many people say to me she's a domestic. You're not talking towards the microphone again. I just don't <laughs> care. How many people tell me she's an she's a survivor of domestic abuse? I am so sorry she had to go through that, but that does not give her the right to abuse other people. And the fact that she seems to think it does makes it even fucking worse. What a broken worldview that woman has, and what a terrible shitty movie she's made. It's annoying that she's too rich to ever make poor. Like she can never lose it always. No one's too, too rich. rich to fail. Something will happen. Something can happen. If like if tomorrow some of her little fucking turf mates bomb somewhere or they lose their fucking mind. They're so close to doing some sort of violent act of pride or some other shit. Like, we've already seen it. They get violent with people. Like, in the US, people being assaulted in, in toilets and things like that has gone up. It's mostly cis women against cis women because they think that non-female presenting women are trans men and attack them in bathrooms. How fucking stupid are these people? They're very stupid. These people we live in very stupid times. It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah, Fantastic Beasts. It's just a really bad film. At least the next gens of younger folks seem to be solidly fingers, middle fingers up at everything. Oh yeah, that's going yeah, on right now. yeah. Fingers it's crossed fucking there. hilarious. It's pretty funny, isn't it? But yeah, like this film is just dog shit. It's just so dog shit. Like there's an entire plot in this where Dumbledore gives a wand to a human and says, "You can use this to defend yourself." But he's essentially treating him like a child. It's just a stick. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any magic. And he's not magic. He's not a wizard. He is a human. So he can't do anything with it. And at one point, he pulls it out to go and point it at the fucking main bad guy. And they go, he tried to assassinate him. Even though in their eyes, muggles, which by the way, 
disgusting fucking title, Mudblood, is actually an anti-Semitic mm. term. Didn't Probably. know that until until I read it in Harry Potter. It's just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. Just they're a not called muggles in the Amer- in Fantastic Beasts. They got a different name in America, haven't they? Nomadge. Nomadge. They changed it to Nomadge. Yeah, because in America that's what they. Because in the Harry Potter stuff, every country's got its own terms. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Native Americans place. were the originators of magic in America. Uh, you can guess how they're depicted. Yep. Yeah, Cho Chang is that the name that she came up with? I remember someone, Asian person, saying he had no idea Cho Chang was meant to be Asian when he read the books at yeah. school because he had never heard of an Asian person no. called Cho Chang. What was it? What's the uh, Irish kid's name? Finnis Finnegan, Paddy some... McGuinness. Yeah, like, and he's like, he's like presented as like a fucking thief in the books. <laughs> you like that? Just... He's like yeah, poor no. from a council estate. <laughs> he's like fucking. Yeah, so that's an accurate depiction of the Irish, according uh, to J.K. Rowling. Yeah. There's the Welsh lad who's always got a sheep on his dick. Yeah, yeah. 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 I do like the fact that, like... And there's it, that thing where Ron just keeps mentioning about the benefits his family are claiming all the time. <laughs> got this scam going where they tell him that they're out of work to get extra benefits. I find it so funny that Emma Watson is, like, so so um, trans-inclusive, but is also a massive feminist icon and does all these incredible things for women mm. and is in completely inclusive. And then people are like, I wish that woman would shut her mouth. <laughs> the terms are all like... She should be grateful to yeah. J.K. Rowling <laughs> for making her... She didn't make any... <laughs> no, yeah, she didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, anyway, so fantastic. But it's just a dog shit movie. It's a dog shit movie series made by a dog shit human being. And I'm surprised that they... I, I'm surprised that people thought they wouldn't be dog shit. Like, the first one was okay, I guess, but even that was shit. Mm. Um, and, like, to I be fair... any of them. Like, so the first one, the villain starts out being Colin Farrell. And that's amazing, because Colin Farrell's a get, right? He's a good actor. And at the end of it, they're like, oh, he's actually Johnny Depp! And I was like, oh, that's a mistake. Mm. Why would you go from Colin Farrell to Johnny Depp? Colin Farrell's better. Johnny Depp's in parts of the Caribbean. Yeah, okay. And then in the sequel, Johnny Depp cuts out a bloke's tongue and kills a baby in a kid's film. Yeah. Um, and then in the beginning of this one, it's just Mads Mikkelsen with none of the prosthetics. He doesn't have the fake eye thing, and he doesn't have like any they of the scars. They change his face again. No, they don't. He's, they don't. He's just that's him. Like even in past flashbacks, when he's talking to Dumbledore in like restaurants and stuff and drinking tea with him, he's like, "Yeah, that's me. I'm Grindelwald. I've never been Johnny Depp or Colin Farrell." But I mean, Mads Mikkelsen is such a talent. When he's on the screen, he is fantastic. Just change him in every film, make it a thing. Yeah. Because he is just incredible. Imaginary Doctor Parnassus, this shit. What was the? Wait, that's yeah. not Imaginary. What's the one with the Imaginary Doctor Parnassus? Is the one you're thinking of? Is it? Oh, yeah, it's was... the one with Johnny Depp. Oh, uh, do you know what I'm getting? Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. But I thought Imaginary Doctor Parnassus was the one with Dustin Hoffman where he has the kid. Oh, shot. actually, no. That's the Wonder Emporium of Mister McGoim's Wonder Emporium. Yeah, there you go. yeah there you classic. Go. So uh, another sex offender. Um, <laughs> the better Hoffman. prequel to the Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, God, this is just such a dog shit movie. I was just. It's the kind of thing where I I went for a piss about four times. Not because I needed to pee. I just needed air. It was just one of those things where I was like, none of this makes any sense. From a writing point of view, from a storytelling point of view, none of it made sense. And yet it's all treated with like this seriousness. Like I was saying, they give them a stick. They give the human character a stick knowing he can't do any magic. They treat them essentially, they think of them like ants. Like, they specifically talk about them as if they are non-entities. And this guy runs up and he's like, I'm going to kill you, Grindelwald. And it turns out he's human. And then in the papers the next day, it's like, human assassin tries to kill a wizard. And it's like, you know he couldn't. The worst he could do is maybe poke him with a blunt fucking stick. 
He's not going to give him a splinter and kill him. And Dumbledore's like, well, that was a mistake. Yeah. And like, and you think to yourself, like, they so obviously like need to backpedal and react to J.K. Rowling being awful and all this other shit. And so they got a story that makes no sense, hasn't been properly checked. Apparently the fourth and fifth one are on Canceled. hold. Cancelled. They need to be cancelled because there's no fucking point. They're not cancelled. I think the Warner Brothers will be like, we'll make them if you give us the money for them, JK. Yeah, we'll but make But she them. could. <laughs> yeah, she could fund them. Easily. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they'll probably just like back away from it and say, yeah, no, we haven't got the finances for it because this film's only made, was it 40 something million? Yeah, it's worldwide. Not it's it's not getting beaten by Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yeah. Well, it's not good. That's the problem. Like, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, at least it's like a joyous representation of something magical and fun. And, and Sonic Kane's dong, is it? This is a fucking baby... Like, he murders another kid. He murders a baby animal in the first five fucking minutes. What's it with her and it's baby murdering? It's only a kid murdering? if it's a goat. What is it with her and baby murdering? That was a good joke I did. I know, I know. I liked how just I'm angry that I watched this film again. I mean, to be honest, that baby had it coming. You hear some of the yeah. shit that baby was saying. And to be fair, you should judge people for the things they say and their actions, it. shouldn't you? That baby shat its pants. Oh, there you go. Uh, Catherine Waterston. She's the lady who... She, she tweeted in trans inclusivity. And then uh, and then she's only in this film for like five seconds. In every other film, she's like a major part. Oh, it's because it's setting up for later. She's going to be a major part of the later No, ones. I think she's not coming back. <laughs> I think she's been written out. <laughs> you can't be a trans inclusive person. But here's the thing. Why though. can't we have a Harry Potter thing spin-off that's just... Um, Luna Lovegood and Tonks just hanging out. Yeah, that'd be good. They never hang out in the show, in the films or anything, and Tonks no. is dead, but they're the two most interesting characters. Yeah. <laughs> Tonks was Tonks was so in love with... Um, was it Abel? No, Abel she Forth is... blowing up. Yeah, blowing Carol likes her. She was cool. She was really cool, and she was in love with... What's his name? What's the guy's name? Mean I'm eating. No, 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 no. He played... He's, he's the werewolf in the series. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, but he... He and her fall in love, and she accepts the fact that he is a werewolf, and like, like, that's like a nice little story. Um, too bad it was written by a trans folk. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, it's just that's the problem. It's just this is a bad series. I saw Ivana Lynch on. once. You know, what? he plays Luna Lovegood. Who? Ivana Lynch oh, yeah. plays Luna Lovegood. I saw her once. Yeah. Yeah. After long after the Harry Potter films. Oh right, because of the age. She's a kid. No, yeah. Potter first. She was like nineteen or twenty by the end of one. But, um, yeah, she's a lovely young lady. She is lovely. She does a lot of stuff for uh, women. She speaks out against people with eating disorders. She had a lot of issues with... She speaks food. out against people with eating disorders. No, she st- speaks out against eating disorders. Oh, like, right. Issues around eating disorders. <laughs> she's, she's just like, fuck them out of it. how she got the part? She actually just, like, started, like, trying to trying to get involved in the series to play Lynn Lovegood. She was like, I have to play this role. She was like... But she was probably very rich as well. Yeah, probably. Parents probably introduced her to J.K. Rowling via her parents' cafe. Yeah, she had a bunch of fans following her around when I saw her. Oh, really? Yeah, and then David Tennant walked past me on the way to the toilet. Is this a It's a strange guy today. Was that one of the comic cons? All right. David Tennant's apparently a really nice guy. Yeah, well, he was was letting everyone follow him, but he's like, can you leave me for a second so I can go have a wee? Yeah. (laughs) And he looked like a tramp. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't, like, dress up. No, he doesn't look after. He has a massive bushy beard, and he's just, like, fucking... He's doing good over in season two, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, Fantastic Beast. Yeah, it's... uh, I'm going to give this... uh, I'm going to give this another... Jared Leto, it's just dog shit. Like everything to do with this. Maybe you should try watching good stuff. 
Maybe you should take a look at some things and go, I'm not going to watch that. I have two films. It is a really good trick you can try. So I have two films I'm looking forward to watch. One is called The Sadness, which is like a uh, Taiwanese zombie film. miserable. Taiwanese zombie zombie film Mm. um, that was made before the pandemic got really bad, but involves a pandemic with flu-like symptoms. So it's just a bad timing on that film's behalf. But it's a hyper-violent, like, zombie... Feels a bit like uh, Stephen King's Cell, but mm. more like the book than that terrible John Cusack film. Um, I've got that to watch, and I've got The Cursed, which is like a werewolf movie. It's about gypsies and a gypsy curse. So, so I just won't watch any films ever again. And I'm going to rewatch The Batman tomorrow because it's going to be on HBO Max. The Butterman. The Butterman. Like, that's what I don't understand. I still, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it again, but I think I'm going to skip the interrogation scene because I fucking hate it. It's one of the most stupid scenes in that whole film. What interrogation scene? In Batman. What bit? You're just like me. I'm crazy. Yeah, because he's crazy. He's a fucking such a dog shit movie. No, I'm joking. It's such a dog shit scene, though. In an otherwise good movie, that is the worst fucking scene. That and when he tries to kill himself with electricity. What scene? What, when he's Riddler's in in the thing? Yeah, in the interrogation scene. Yeah, because that seems good. Because Riddler thinks he's got Batman on his side, and he thinks he's he's won everything. That's you're not saying because that's when you get the revelation that like he wasn't leaving clues for Batman. He thought he was leaving instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. That's clever but stuff. But it's poorly made. That's great. It's no, bad. It's bad at film. No, films. that is a bad scene. No. That's objectively the worst scene in the whole film. No, it is. No, it is. But yeah, other than that. You know, I've got a few films lined up that I'm looking forward to watching. I was going to review the entirety of a of a reality TV show this week. I watched all of, but I'd rather not because I had to review Fantastic Beasts. You didn't have to watch it. Fantastic Beasts. What the fuck? Is you the didn't point? have to watch Fantastic Beasts. Oh, what the fuck is the point anymore? Didn't have to watch it. I've not watched any of them, so missed out on Colin Farrell, mate. Oh, great. Good, good, good guy, that Colin Farrell. That's okay. I'd have to watch every film he's in. You watched Batman, though. Yeah. He's in Batman? Yeah. Did you know he's in Batman? Yeah. He plays a penguin? Yeah, I know. We're in a... Alright. We're in a Richard Kind suit. <laughs> That's fucking accurate, actually. Mm-hmm. What was the... Who was the guy that I kept thinking, like, his voice should be something? Harvey Firestein should have been <laughs> Knuckles. Knuckles, yeah. <laughs> Instead of just Alpha. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Sonic. But really camp. <laughs> uh, I watch Sonic 2. I'm going to watch Sonic 2 before the next episode. I'll review Sonic 2. We'll get it done. I won't. Ave Maria. What are you fucking going about? Ave Maria. Anyway, fucking end this shit. All right, bye everyone. Have a good time. You can find me at Crowpocalypse everywhere. You can find out at LV54 Space Monkey on Twitter and uh, on as Mellow Gaming on YouTube and also on Twitter as Wildwills Hat. Um, where he puts condoms on the end of his penis and then puts uh, Wild Wild's hat on it. How many penises you got? You got on there now? About all of them. <laughs> Octocock. <laughs> Has anyone noticed their names are Decepticons? <laughs> the names literally have deception in their name. Isn't that John Cena in Bumblebee? <laughs> yeah. It's such a shame they're not continuing on that series. No, The Rise of the Beast is a sequel. Is it? Yeah. I heard that it wasn't. No, it is. It's just... It's not like... Except like 10 years later. No. No. Alright. Well, everybody have a good week. See you in two. Bye. I'm not going to be hungover next time. Bye. Bye.